Live from Cool Boys Central. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. So cool. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. He's a criminal's worst nightmare. A cop who enjoys the danger. No guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. Do you really want to jump? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, I what do you mean? Wait a minute. What the? That was a good job. There you go. That's a Modelo Chilada. Oh, wow. Premixed. That's right, Felk. This is one of those pre-made micheladas that you so casually mentioned when I was drinking my homemade michelada. And this is the first pre-made michelada I've ever had. The Modellos are good, I think. Yeah, this is a Modelo, not a Bud Light one. I think the Bud Light one's okay. Uh, Well, I can't speak on the the, uh, Bud Light one, but I I will about to speak on the Modelo one. Yeah, if you're wearing a Miller Miller shirt, you can't really talk shit about Budweiser. Because, like, they're both... Miller Racing, okay. Oh, really? It's from, it's from like 1982. <laughs> hey, it's a sick shirt, Noli. I like your. It Miller is shirt. no, but it, but Miller and Budweiser are of like I think the same quality. Now I like that quality. I like Miller and I like Budweiser. I like oh, here Budweiser. we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna try out the Modelo right now. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Coors is my favorite. Then Corona. Of like the. <laughs> Could you have slurped any more? Hmm. <sighs> It's all right. No. Well, you give me a cheap beer, Budweiser, I'm fine with. Budweiser, yeah. Bud Light, I don't fuck with light beers. Light beer is a fucking scam. It's a little too thick in the tomato area, but it's all right. Your asshole? My asshole. I like My Corona. Ace. The Corona's good. You, to, you need a lime, though. You need to be at the beach. That's the only thing about it. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you have Corona like in your kitchen, you'll be like, this sucks. Well, talking oh. shit about middle America. You know what? Actually, I do enjoy Corona's. Um, Even if you don't have access to the beach, I think you can still enjoy a refreshing Corona. Yeah. And I and like I just said, I think I think I enjoy them in the shower. I like a Corona in the shower with a lime, a little salt. Shower beer is a thing now. If you Google shower beer, there's now beers, really? there's beers made specifically for drinking in the shower. Oh, yeah. Oh, any, my God. I've been doing that forever because I felt like I was just wedding. good downtime. Yeah, if you have a wedding and you had to get ready and you're like, you know, you've been powering through all day, I, I have a beer in the shower. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Or I like to think of it like, you know, oh, I'm taking a shower because, you know, I just worked out. It's beer time in the shower time. Oh, I, I'm about to go to bed. It's beer time in the shower time. Oh, I just woke up to go time to go to work. OK, it's beer time in the shower time. <laughs> I grew up in Texas where uh, every single gas station would have like the single like 24 ounce beers and they'd have these little paper bags for them. And people would just mm-hmm. pull up in their trucks, buy them. Drive off drinking the damn things, and there was drive-through liquor stores too, where you could just get a get a beer while you're driving. While you're, you don't even have to get out of your car for those That's long. That's pretty crazy, days. honestly. Drive-through liquor stores is insane. That is just that is far too instigating the wrong thing. Yeah, it was le- like you know, they, they give you a mixed margarita, and it was legal right. because they put a little cap on the straw, so you'd have not, to not like, a cap, take not, the cap. Felt not a cap. It was a piece of scotch tape. Yeah, something like that. Or even it has paper. to be scotch tape because they can't pull it off because you can't pull scotch tape off while you're driving. It's too hard. It's far too hard. 
to take scotch tape off of off of the uh, straw. There was a what place near me in San. There was a place near me in. This is a real thing. Yeah, oh yeah, you can thing. go buy a slushy. Yeah. You can go, literally go to like a liquor store in like parts of the country, in Texas especially, and go buy in a drive-through liquor stores a pre-made margarita, which is like a slushy with alcohol in it, in a huge foam cup, and it has like an orange straw sticking through it, and then just scotch tape on the top of the straw. And as long as you don't take that tape off the straw. It's completely legal, and they and the, and it's the honor system that you won't take that tape off the straw until you have parked the car, gone out of the car, and are you know able to then you know go drink the your, honor your system, drink though, far away from the car. Driving. Everybody's Who's putting oh, yeah. the Who puts this tape on this? The fucking it's, okay, it gas station. It wasn't tape. The one the one near me. The liquor store lived, employee. When I lived in San Antonio, it, it was a, a little cap, a little plastic cap that was on the straw, and, and it was just like, don't take off that cap till you're parked and the keys are out of the ignition. And it's like, okay, and then everybody does it anyways. I can't remember specifically which uh, city it was, but I'm pretty certain it was uh, Houston or Houston-based area some use, where some um, it, yeah, was, it was tape. It was literally just scotch tape. And they told us, they said, you cannot take that tape off until you get home. Most places use tape. Felt there was a full-on wink-wink in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they don't give a shit. They'll also sell you a beer and, and just give it to you. And it's in a paper bag, so nobody, nobody knows what you're drinking. Yep. My drinking is not super exciting. I am drinking Cernoff vodka and diet tonic water, a vodka tonic with, if you'll notice, if you look at your audio really hard, you can see that I have an ice ball in there because I bought an ice ball maker. Drinking them I love those. I have a couple of those. Drinking them sweet ice balls. Look at them. Mm. I like them. I have uh, two of them. In fact, are um, uh, uh, Death Stars and one is a BB-8 and then I have a regular <laughs> one. Mine's just a regular ball. Oh, very good. Although, I mean, it, it, it can be dust. Star, no, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking some Maker's Mark bourbon straight up. No, there's ice in there. Is there no ice? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Okay, there's ice. I didn't say I didn't say neat. I said it's just straight up. Oh. It's on the rocks. I did not know the distinction. I'm, I don't drink. I always drink. I, I rarely drink anything just like straight neat on the rocks. I use mixers, so I don't really know the terminology. No. I like on the rocks. Yeah, well, I, 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 I like it's straight. I like it with it's the not coke. neat. I like it with coke. But I mean, like, I mean, for me, I like most of my stuff on the rocks. I just like it iced and chilled, and I don't mind a little bit of water in there because I'm a puss. If it's really good scotch or a really good bourbon, I'll I'll do no. I'll I'll do it straight or neat. So. Well, yeah, especially if you're not paying for it, because then you're just offending the fuck out of the person who paid for it. Yeah, but also I like it to last a little bit longer, so I'm okay putting Ooh. like an ice cube or two in there. You know, I was just uh, telling Ballard True. that that I got a uh, I got a ball in my drink, an ice ball, because I got one of the makers makes ice balls. You like ice balls? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have a I have a Death Star ice ball. Hey, just like me talking I, about. I have yeah. two oh. uh, Death Stars, one BB-8 and one regular. I love how it just disappears within a second. It does, but you know what? It's pretty sick when it's all frosted over right when you pop it out. For sure. Greetings, Cool Boys Nation, and welcome to the Cool Boys Podcast. I am Felk. And I'm Nolan. And I'm Ballard. I wouldn't do That's that. That's not confusing at all. <laughs> Every episode could potentially be new people listening, so they should probably not be con super confused. Well, I guess they might have to pay attention to figure out who's who. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Felk's probably Ballard. And I'm thinking Ballard's probably Nolan. What's in the mug there? Is that, is that the Michelada? What, this? Yeah. 
This is my backup drink. I, I love how the guy can drink a clam juice and then drink a white Russian. Jesus. As a chaser. He's fucking an animal. Those don't mix. This is, this is my power drink to get me through the uh, next uh, four hours of podcasting with you guys. Oh, no. Noli, why do you always chew on that one piece of fabric? Because it's right here in my face and I just want to eat it. Does it taste good? Does your wife know that you chew on her, her, her fabric? Shh, quiet. She can't hear me, can she? No. Oh, thank God you don't blast like your audio in there. That'd be ridiculous. That'd be absolutely ridiculous, Nolan. Just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. So what are we talking about tonight? Well, first we're doing updates, but tonight's episode is called Sugar Tits, a Mel Gibson story. <laughs> and we'll be discussing the life and times of Mel Gibson, along with our top five list of Mel Gibson films. But first, we have some cool boy updates. So, gentlemen. Oh, what have you been up to? I, I have nothing to say other than I haven't shit in four days. That can't Jesus be right. Christ. At yeah, all? I, I can't. I can't even remember the last time I shit. Dun, dun, dun. I no haven't had the feeling watch. to shit this week. There's been no feeling at all to shit. I don't Day know if that's because you're healthy or because you're maybe really not healthy. I I don't know. All I've been eating is salad, so I should be just diarrheaing out my asshole, but nothing's coming. You should be mm. eating lots of peaches and bananas and maybe some mango. You'll mm. shit. And I drink coffee like you wouldn't believe, so I don't know what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that the, yeah, yeah. Mm. coffee should be just flushing it out. I should be pooping every single day, but no, not. Hey, have I don't you know. ever you, done a You could get really enema? sick from that. I'm worried yeah, no, about If you. I don't poop tomorrow, I'm going to go do an enema for sure. A okay. coffee enema? You know, that's how, the, that's how the little girl from Poltergeist died. It was just like impacted colon. It can kill you. Coffee enemas? No, 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 impacted colon. Not shitting for like four days straight. You know Ew. what? It always comes out. Is yeah, there anything way, stressful going on in life? It's coming out. You get and get sepsis and, and have a serious medical condition. I hope not. Jesus Christ. Do well, that I dark. <laughs> well, I'm concerned. I don't think, like, that's not like a, that's not funny. That's scary. Four days? I feel like no, that's Well, scary. how about this? How about this? Here's, cool Boy Nation, a, if there's a doctor in the house, please write Nolan. Yeah. Let him know what's up. But see, the, the last time I went, I had insane sweaty hot diarrhea four <laughs> times in one day and i just emptied out my whole body okay why does that sound hot to me because it's from coming from nolan yeah can you imagine nolan's ass is dripping in chocolate milk mm. i sent just, you that audio file right did you love it oh dude i love all your audio files yeah. i just did like you know what my favorite thing is is when i'm at a red light and my windows are down and i have my phone you know bluetoothed into my stereo of my car <laughs> and i hit and i go to your text message i hit play on the audio and then it sounds like someone just took a huge shit in my car yeah let's hear let's play it for felk here go ahead okay. play it play it for everyone <laughs> Hold on, that wasn't it. <laughs> Cut that one. Here's the real one. Here's the real one. Okay. God. So I think that was number four on the day right there. Yeah, you know what? I am not going to be cutting that first one because I want people to realize that you have more than one audio yeah. recording of shit on your Wait, phone. Wait, the lead. <laughs> <laughs> you recorded multiples. Well, Noli, I hope you shit soon. You know, I hope you uh, you're able to get that guy passed through, and I hope it feels amazing. I think it's coming tomorrow. If, if it's not coming tomorrow, <clears throat> I gotta fly on. I gotta fly out. So if I don't if I don't do it before I fly, then yeah, oh. I'm never going. It might be seven more days. Oh my gosh, shitting in an airport is horrible, but nothing is worse than shitting on a flight. 
No. I've only done it once. Sh- there's one thing shittier than shitting on a flight. Have you ever shit on a catamaran? No. What's a catamaran? Oh my god. It's almost impossible. Wow. What's a catamaran? You, sh- was- you shit in you know the pontoons of a catamaran? I don't know what they're actually yeah. called. The toilet's down there. And it's only like three feet deep, so if you're standing there taking a piss as a six-foot male, your head's popping out and you're looking at everybody. <laughs> wow, yeah, I mean, that would be – I would need to like focus, I guess, on the horizon. Sorry, I have to Google. What is a catamaran? Catamaran. It's one of those Moana boats. Well, Felk, it's for people that have been off of land. Yeah, who've been on the islands. Come on to the islands. Come on, it's relaxing, boy. Hmm. Smoke of the ganja, drink of the beer. Hmm. So you shit in one of those fins that you see. There's like two large mm-hmm. fins and then nets across that you all sit on and hang out in and mm-hmm. drink your pina coladas. Well, you have to shit down on one of those tubes and it is not pleasant. Mm-hmm. If you think an airplane's bad, yeah. Anyway, what are you guys up to? Wrap, wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about shitting on a catamaran that much longer. Yeah, yeah. Cool Boy Nation, I don't know if you want to know more about catamarans, but write us in if you want a show topic about shitting in a catamaran and we might do it. So, Felk, <laughs> you had some questions, I think? Yeah, I was curious because uh, we landed at Mel Gibson and I'm, I'm grateful that we did because Mel has plenty to talk about. He is a fascinating man. But uh, a little teaser for next week, if things go according to plan, we'll be discussing... A car-themed episode. Top five cars, car stories, that kind of thing. We didn't want to do that this week, but um, no one, you said, and I did not know this about you, that you hate cars. I did not. <laughs> you don't. You really just don't care about cars at all? Not your thing? Motorcycles only, huh? Yeah, let's yeah. get your opinion, Noli, first on cars, considering yeah, you won't be here for the cars. Episode. Exactly. I wanted to get, like, a, since we he won't be here for that episode, I at least want to get your perspective on, like, do you not like any cars at all? But yeah, but I'll, but, I'll but to be clear show. to the audience oh. first, let's let them know that what happened in the text message thread is that Noli actually wrote the text message, I hate cars, and I wrote back on top of that the response in the iPhone iMessage, ha ha ha, because that's pretty funny. That's a pretty funny fucking comment i thought i, I wasn't sure because actually i thought maybe it was sarcastic because you like obviously i love cars i i but you know i, I well I let's let noli speak noli why don't you explain what it means about here's my thing about cars is yeah i like a good car like the next guy you know i got my favorite car you know uh but yeah i like to ride motorcycles i think they're sexier i think uh they're much more fun to drive my thing about cars is I can pick my favorite car. I could be like, oh, I fucking love the 1983 Ferrari Testarossa because I like I liked to look at it. But I've never driven one. I don't know how it drives. Like, I can't make an accurate yeah, description wouldn't. of, like, this is my favorite car. So my cars would consist of fucking, like, normal everyday person cars. And I just don't find it that interesting of a topic. I know people love cars and they want to talk about cars. I'm not a gearhead. You guys have at it. Have fun if you've driven cars. But, like, I haven't. I, I don't know really... I, I honestly, I just, I, I looked at it more as a way of talking about like, um, like your first time in a car, first this in a car, first that in a car, or like fun little cool stories in a car that you may have had. Mm-hmm. Not really about like, I like, I like Ferrari Testarossas or I like <laughs> BMW I like M3s. Five minutes of just naming off. I like the, that. I like the car yeah, that you but, named specifically. Cause you said the, uh, 1976, uh, Ford. The, the 1976 Mustang GTO. Mustang GTO Baby Blue, which I'm guessing is some <laughs> kind of weird hybrid of, of a Ford Mustang and a Pontiac GTO. Sure. GT is what I meant, I think. Well, there was a 76 GT. That's the second gen. And that's the only generation that didn't have the GT models because oh, it was during the gas crisis. 
See, Phil will talk about cars all day. I so love he's cars. The perf- he's the perfect guy to talk about cars. Yeah, I mean, your top five is going to be fucking Miatas, which I, th- I think is fantastic. No, Miatas. I don't think it's a top. top it's not going to be a top five episode. Okay. I'm well, going to top five cars. I'll I definitely, you know, I, I won't be around to do it, but I'll definitely be there to listen to it. Well, can we at least get your, your number one would be the 83 Testarossa? It's a fine car. No, I, think, I think my favorite car ever is the fucking DeLorean with the Back to the Future specs. All right, that's a, that's a legit answer. That's a legit answer if like I've heard one. I've been looking to buy one. You know, they're like twenty five grand, so it's a little steep for like a piece of shit car. But I see one every day. Someone in the building uses one. Yeah, but mm. I would I would love to have a DeLorean. Never driven one, but that would be a, that's like yes. a, that's a that's on my bucket list almost. I've actually been in one, but see, yeah, I haven't driven it, so I don't know. It could drive like a piece of shit. It does. I'm saying like my favorite car is a fucking car that sucks, just because I'm basing off looks. I do love the Magnum PI. I think that's the 82 Testarossa, 83. They're pretty much identical. I'm interested in your opinion of our episode when you when you get back from your trip. Because uh, you're going to be on vacation, and that's why you won't be available and around. But uh, I would like to know what you thought. Like, in the end, be like, yeah, that was a fucking, like, exactly what I thought. Stupid. Or, you know, <laughs> it was actually. Stupid. I think you guys are funny, so I think it'll be great. I think you're funny. Ballard, you have to do a top five. Even if we don't have to, like, even if it's just rattling them off real fast and getting a minute of content, you have to do a Volvo top five. Volvo 242 DL 1978. Did you drive that? That was my first car. Oh, really? I'm giving away the episode. Okay. Um, well, how about I get into my update? Are you guys ready for my update? My update's Bell looking means. intense. Dun. Dun. It's Shark Week. It's Shark Week. (laughs) It's Shark Week. But by the time you hear this cool boy nation, it's no longer Shark Week. So this Shark Week, I would say, has been like the last Shark Week and the Shark Week prior to that and the Shark Week prior to that. It's been shit. It hasn't been good since the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And and, well, no, they had some couple good ones. Megalodon. That was like three years ago. My favorite are the ones where they flat out lie to the audience and do like this realistic documentary, mockumentary, fakeumentary. And they're like, it's real, Megalodon. Here's footage of it. And then the audience is all like, oh, fuck. You you know why they did that, that, right? Because of Asylum and Sci-Fi doing like uh, Sharknado and Sharknado 4, The Reckoning. It's like they had to like, we got to compete with Sharknado now, you know? That's what people vote for sharks. Well, so they they, they some, competed some, with Megalodon. It was so good. It was really good. <laughs> um, but um, Michael Phelps is the big highlight in this one, and that was a flat-out blatant lie. He fucked there, a shark. He did not race a shark at all. He raced a CGI shark. It was 100 meters he had to swim, and he had to just essentially in the end, he all he had to do was swim 100 meters in less than 36 seconds, and he swam it in 38 seconds, meaning he got eaten. Um, but, uh, that's did you, did you it. Think that's they were really going to let a shark like chase after him and eat him if he lost. That's what they sold me on. So once again, discovery channel lies to get shark week promoted. They're just lying to us at this point. Well, I, I don't know how they deliver how they on that promise. Year. I don't know how so, they, well, without killing well, so, him, I guess they could build like two separate lanes and have them be separated. They said they did. That's what, that's kind of what they implied is that they were able to figure out how to get a shark to swim straight is what they said. Okay. And they, did kind of in the episode because the whole episode is a classic Shark Week episode where they spend 45 minutes out of their 47 minutes of content. They spend 45 minutes explaining what they're going to do in those final two minutes. And then the final two minutes, what they show you is what happens in 30 seconds. And then they spend 90 seconds wrapping up the show and talking about what happened in those 30 seconds. Oh, it's, it's all filler. Fu- yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the worst, like, te- what television has to offer now. It used to be one of the greatest things to look forward to 
and, and now it's just shitty Shark Week, and I hate it. I, I think you know they've done it now for like twenty something years. There's nothing else to say. Yeah, so what's they come new in Shark? Stupid, <laughs> they come up with that stupid Michael Phelps and racing a shark thing, and then you know it's stupid. All right. Well, okay. Well, speaking on my update, uh, I have a like I sent you guys already in uh, the email that um, we are going to be doing a top twenty Shark Week things that you're going to see in 2018. So I'm going to go with my list, and you guys go ahead, and we'll start off with number twenty. Number twenty for me, I think we're going to see in 2018. <laughs> I think we're going to see a Michael Phelps versus a Great White Shark Part Two. Okay. Because they did that with Air Jaws. They did multiple Air Jaws. Every year they did another Air Jaws, and they stopped calling them numbers, and they started giving them other names. All right, so that was my number 20. What are you, what's your number 20? Uh, let's go with you, Noli, next. <laughs> what is this? The top 20 things are going to happen in Shark Week in 2018. 20 of them. Yeah, we're going to go through our top 20s real quick. Just real quick, just real quick. No, we're not. Yes, yeah, so Noli, what's your top 20? What's your number 20? Oh, man. No, you can uh, pivot I, to I, me. Yeah, I, I'll pivot to you. Uh, I think Michael Phelps will fuck a shark and see if they can make a Phelps shark hybrid. Probably a lemon shark. Oh, yeah, I think so. These are great. These are great. These are all, I think, very accurate lies, I think, that Discovery Channel will push on us. Uh, Noli, do you want to get another, give one a shot for your number 20? No, I'll, I'll let you guys handle this. <laughs> I'm just fucking I was going to say shark fights, and they first would make a shark fight. Uh, maybe an orca. The orca would win. Then they make a shark fight a man. Shark. You gotta fight Brad Pitt too. What does yeah, Brad Pitt have to do felt. with sharks? He's never fought a shark in a movie. Leo DiCaprio fought a shark in a movie. Guys. guys what? What? Guys. Guys. Oh, uh, what? What if a shark fought Mel Gibson? What? Speaking of Mel Gibson. Report preliminary finding. Not worried about her. We gotta keep him gagged. Cool boy nation. Pop your cocks and drop your tops. It might be interesting and important for you to know. It's time for our cool boy show topic. Hey, I like that. Spoilers. So cool. So that's why I'm so fucking angry. Because I don't have any friends. And I try and make one for you and you treat me like shit. And you fucking use me. The career is over. And boy, when I said that, you lit out of here faster than I've ever seen you before. And now you'll be at Alicia's place. You just showed me what you are. Absolutely, unequivocally. He's been a revenge-driven post-apocalyptic police officer. A gun-to-the-head suicidal gratuitous ass-shot cop. A blue-faced freedom-fighting Scotsman. And last but not least, he poured sugar on your tits. Yes, cool boy nation, I am talking about the one and only Mel <laughs> Melvin Gibson. And tonight, we will be picking our favorite Mel Gibson films. So pull out your ass, put on your leather, it's time to go lethal. This is Sugar Tits, a Mel Gibson story. Ooh, I'm hooked. <clears throat> so hot. Try to give it as much, you know... Throw it as a good. Good, good. I liked it. So, any any mail in the news? I I don't know. I thought you had something there. No. Well, I I just want to point out that uh, just kind of you know recent stuff in the news for Mel Gibson. You know, like um, mostly he put his house, his medieval manor, and that's in Malibu. He put it on the market for seventeen point five million. So you know, it's pretty interesting considering it's five point five acres. So you know what I mean? And uh, he's sixty one years old. In case you just didn't know that. Um, 
Did he give his son a hug? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I know he, uh, that, you know, he, he very, very recently, um, you know, he, uh, um, yeah, I mean, Mel, Mel said some bad things about some Jewish people. It, I mean, they were bad, but they weren't like the end of the world bad. And he like, was drunk. He never, yeah, he was drunk. We've all said some bad stuff. I think, oh, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah. Let's, what, what did he say exactly? What was it? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, oh, yeah. uh, fucking Jews. The Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world. Are you a Jew? Yes. Well, that, Ballard, are you, you reading a, a quote from that? Because that, yes. that's what he Ballard, said. That's you, what he being said. A, you being a Jew, are you offended by that? Well, I'm not really like a real Jewish person. Well, you're the most Jewish person on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. So you represent um, them no. for this purpose. He can't. He can't offend I mean, me. He made a comment that has no factual context. There's some. <laughs> okay. There's plenty of people who diehard believe what he said. Uh you know who are uh anti-jew okay. i love i love let's so let's let's go over a couple of the things he has he has actually said uh he he especially uh to the police officers he he spoke to one and he said what do you think you're looking at sugar tits he said that to a female officer during his uh dui arrest in 2006 that same arrest is when he also said fucking jews the jews are responsible for all the wars in the world are you a jew but he also during that uh, dui arrest he also said i own malibu I am going to fuck you. <laughs> I want to kill him. I want his intestines on a stick. I want to kill his dog. Who did he say that about? He said that about Frank Rich, a reviewer of The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Don't give that movie bad reviews. They take it up the ass. He laughs. Then Mel Gibson stands up, bends over, points to his anus, and says, this is only for taking a shit. <laughs> and he he, that to, he said that to a Spanish newspaper um, back in 1991 when referring to gays, what he thinks about gay people. Oh, wow. So even then he thought that? Yep. And this is also what he said a little bit later. Uh, with this look, who's going to think I'm gay? I don't lend myself to that type of confusion. Do I look like a homosexual? Do I talk like them? Do I move like them? <laughs> and... And then in 95... This is going to make us uh, tough to uh, like have a that was love letter in, to Mel yeah. Gibson for the next 30 minutes. Yeah, yes. that was in 91 he said that? Yes, and then in oh, 95, in, in a response as an apology to what he said in 1991, in 1995 he said, I'll apologize when hell freezes over, <laughs> they can fuck off. <laughs> wow. Well, I yep, love that well, he has, a, he has a, a mindset and he sticks to it. Yeah, you know? he does. Bra His Bravo father did Mel. too. Like the Holocaust didn't happen. And then the last, uh, I guess, quote <laughs> we'll go over tonight of uh, Mel Gibson is, I am one tough motherfucker. You can't bother me anymore. You ask anybody what their number one fear is and it's public humiliation. Multiply that on a global scale and that's what I've been through. It changes you and makes you one tough motherfucker. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. He said that to the Telegraph, explaining why no matter how much we ridicule him and shut him down, he will never, ever stop, and we can't get rid of him. And we shouldn't. Because why? Because I love him as an artist, and I think sometimes you have to separate the artist from the person. Van Gogh was a fucking psycho, but he painted some beautiful fucking shit. Yeah. And Mel Gibson's a crazy guy, but he makes some incredible movies, both as an actor and director. And just for the sake of reference, Tom Cruise seems to be a little wackadoo as well. But the guy is a well, incredibly talented and dedicated artist. I don't know that any major celebrity has ever said that kind of inflammatory stuff before. But you know what, Felk? I bet you if there was a, a microphone 
readily available back in like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, you would have had 10 times the worst shit being said all over all the microphones that people could carry around their pockets. Yeah, you also probably would have actively caught many of them raping women. Well, and also, yeah, and real fast, because like the, the shit he said about about gay people, like when he had his horrible, you know, meltdown in like 07, I forget what it was, but like didn't Jodie Foster like not only put him in a movie, but then she he was her, uh, her date when she got like that Lifetime Achievement Award, either at the Globes or the Oscars. See, she She's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. She, she's the most she's powerful not the kind lesbian. Of gay, she's not the kind of gay that he doesn't like, though. Maybe. That, might be, that might be a good point, actually. But he as a lesbian, she's gay. supposed to stand with like the gays and be like, no, he said horrible things. And so she, instead, Whoopi she stood Goldberg by him. Also, Whoopi Goldberg also um, uh, backed him up after he said terrible things as well about black people. And she, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is, is potentially, I don't know if she's out but I think it's rumored that she's gay, maybe at least. No, Whoopi's not gay. She's, 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 been, she's been fucking dudes forever. Ted Danson. Yeah, she's, she's fucked a lot of guys. Oh. She might be, okay, well, she well, may be right. bi. Well, she looks out. Anyway. She looks... <laughs> <laughs> giant. But giant, uh, uh, giant. Whoopi, Whoopi came to came to his uh, rescue, too. I think, I think what they realize is that he's just that friend we all have that is grumpy. He's that grumpy friend. And <laughs> we, I, 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 I know... a few cocktails in him, and he might say some shit that he doesn't really mean, but he does yeah. think about... Yeah, I, I like I, I have a coworker that was just like I remember just being incredibly grumpy all the time. Um, and even Robert Downey Jr., who you would think is probably the one that is considered the crazy, wild drug addict friend, even went up to went up to bat for uh, Mel. Yeah, he was there for him. I mean, he 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 uh, he's been there for other people when they've had meltdowns. Because like the weirdest one being after Britney Spears went all insane and shaved her head and attacked a paparazzi oh my god seriously i don't want to go into another tangent about another actress or actor no britney no britney spears after she went all that she fucking crashed at his place in malibu for two weeks and just hung out with them and he fucking like gave her support that's right i do remember that actually yeah you're right that's right they did they did that don't cut me off i'm keeping it relevant to mel gibson all right all right saying positive things about mel so we can actually like I feel euphoric to about five. him. I just want to talk about. Well, you brought me. Five. You brought me fucking down. Yeah, I we got. We, I think we need a little bit of a palate cleanser to. to that's why I mentioned Jodie Foster, and that's why. How about I mentioned this? How about like this? Him being there for people who uh, needed him. I'll play a sweet clip right now from a sweet yeah, okay. Mel Gibson movie sound bite. That, eh. That'll do it. Just need something to let it know that he's maybe not evil, and that he actually is probably a good person who just has problems. I think he's an incredible fucking artist, like I said earlier, and uh, I I think he's just you know actor to director. I think he actually is really seems like I think he's a genuine person. I mean, he says genuine shit. He he told the police officer that uh, he owns Malibu and he will fuck him. You know, <laughs> like that's pretty genuine. Yes. Was it to a male officer? I think that I was so. actually to the male officer. That one was to the male officer. I he did not say that you. to the female officer. <laughs> But I think we said the female officer was, what are you looking at, sugar tits? Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. Well, don't you well, think it's acceptable? Yeah, don't look at him. She probably had great tits. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I got to look it back up. Was it, what are you looking at? Was that, was that what it was? Yeah, it was, what are you looking at, sugar tits? What do you, very no, what do you think you're looking question. at? What do you think you're looking at, sugar tits? Hmm. What do you think you're looking at, sugar tits? Oh, my God. That's fucking great. <laughs> see, why would I mean I, I can see why that's offensive, but in my mind, I don't. I would just laugh. I don't that think that's offensive. Yeah, that was so, so that hilarious. to me, I'd be like, I'd be like, okay, this guy's like wasted. I'd be like, what are you looking at, sugar dick? If a girl said to me, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got. I could call that like at least like twenty times a day. I bet. I mean, you you have that sugar dick quality about you. 
total sugar uh, dick. A homeless quality. guy said, what are, well, you, what, what, are you, "What are you looking at?" He got mad at me. It was like a homeless person when I was walking down the street got mad at me. Like, "What do you do with Mel Gibson?" He kept calling me Mel Gibson. I don't know what that was about, but I, I took that as a compliment. I was like, "Damn, do I look yeah. like Mel Gibson?" That's that's not, that's not bad. I think you, people consider Mel Gibson a pretty handsome gentleman. Oh yeah. Um, well, also Mel today is definitely on the rise. Hacksaw Ridge was up and up, and um, he even hit a couple of his uh, acting uh, roles um, with uh, Get the Gringo and Bloodfather. Uh, Beaver or The Beaver is not very great, but <laughs> I, it's kind of it. mediocre. But uh, Get the Gringo is really good, and I think it's one of those secret ones where Mel Gibson directed it. And he had a, another uh, uh, Mexican director uh, essentially use their name kind of like the way uh, other uh, uh, directors have in the past allowed other actors to direct movies. Like uh, Stallone got to direct uh, Rambo uh, 2, or was it uh, yeah, Rambo yeah, First Blood Part 2? Um, he got to direct that even though George P. Cosmatos uh, put his name on it. Uh, he just sat back and relaxed and let Stallone direct the whole film. And uh, and in fact, uh, Kurt Russell wanted to make Tombstone and he couldn't because he was an actor. So his friend Stallone told him, like, yo, just uh, bug my buddy George and he'll and he'll let you direct the movie. And George just kicked it back on Tombstone set. And Kurt Russell's rumored to be the director of Tombstone. Yeah, George B. Cosmetos is a fake director, right? Because he also. No, he's a real person. No, he's a real. He's he's a a real real person. But he he, he, no, he's a real person. But he's like a fake director because he also did Leviathan and Stan Winston really directed that. Oh, I did not know that. I think I think what he is is he's a good friend, and he's willing. Yeah. He was willing to utilize his DGA to get allow his friends who don't have DGA back in a really unionized system to uh, to do stuff. Um, because if you recall, Empire Strikes Back is an independent film, and off the and completely off the PGA and the DGA because of or just the PGA because of um, the fact that it did not have an opening credit sequence. Yeah. Because well, you see to, Lucas's it, name in the beginning because you, because you see Lucas's you see name Lucas in Lucas' film, film that that, that was like well we're not going to let you do that and then not have a director at the beginning of the film if you I don't think you it. see Lucas's name I think you just see Lucas film no no but Lucas is his name right right oh yes so you yes, see yes, his last gotcha. name yes you do and yes yes so um, but yeah so that's uh that's kind of you know um, I don't even know how the hell we got to that <laughs> neither do I. I'm scratching my head about it. But yeah, Sam Winston couldn't do Leviathan because he was on, under contract oh, with Fox. Boom. That's what it is. Right. So yeah. So George P. Cosmatos allowed, you know. Um, um, <laughs> I don't know how we got into George P. Cosmatos. He's never worked whatever, with, it uh, with, with, with So Mal. whatever. Mel Gibson is a fantastic director as well as an actor. And You're I think talking about him, the beaver and maybe it was a pseudo director. Oh, oh really? So, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get the gringo. So get the gringo. Yeah. So get the gringo. Was, um, I'm pretty sure Mel Gibson handled either it was like a mentor protege situation where he handled the movie and this guy quote unquote directed the film or i think it was more along the lines of um uh mel gibson just directed it and this dude just put his name down anyway i i'm really excited to see him act again because expendables 3 was shit but mel gibson like commanded the screen every time he was on screen i was like dude this guy's fucking great he's like so fantastic like put him in more shit did you see machete 2 I started it, made it five minutes, and said, I don't want to watch this movie. Same. It's kind of the same role Mel Gibson plays just as the villain. He doesn't really kind of advance his villain character. It's just kind of angry Mel. I think he's just playing on his what people he expects people to think he's acting like. Um, but you really should see Get the Gringo. That's him acting again, and it's fantastic. And you should see Bloodfather. That's also him acting again, and that's fantastic. It's a really good movie. And I, I, I would like say one Bloodfather. It's like Nicolas Cage films just on Netflix, just like sitting there for me to watch. It, 
It probably is. What do you think his character's name in Bloodfather is? It's Link. What's up? Link? Snake? Is this, yeah, this is his character. What's his character's name? In Bloodfather? Mel Gibson yeah, plays Link. Link? I would, oh, I, I would never that. trust Mel with the name Link. No. Know. Well, you no. know what? Here's the thing. I'm sure a lot it's of people look on like... an elf's name or a gay man's name? Or a gay I'm, elf's I'm name. Sure, I'm sure on Netflix people would scroll by and they would see... Um, you know, Bloodfather or Get the Gringo, see Mel Gibson, and totally think it's one of those Nick Cage films or those now Bruce Willis films or those Steven Seagal films or any of those types of films. And they wouldn't be remiss to think that, but I do think they're really good films. I think Get the Gringo is a really good movie. You should see it. You should, especially if you're excited about Mel Gibson now, you should see it. I don't know why you wouldn't see it if you're like Mel Gibson. Why wouldn't you see it? Speaking of great films. No, I was gonna get there, but really, why won't you see it? If I'm recommending like a really, it's a good I'll movie. See, I'll, I'll watch good. You just said you just said you're excited he's coming back, but then you won't watch a good movie. Who are you talking in to me right now? Back in. No, Noli, I'm talking to. I'll watch player. Get the Gringo. You should. You really should, Noli. It's really good. It's really good. That's a good I, one. I, yeah, I have a limited amount of time to do anything these days. And oh, watch, I get it. Watching an old Mel Gibson film. It's not old. It's a new one. <laughs> kind of new. Five years. I mean, it, well, that's uh, he. He's not really pounding them out anymore because people don't want to hire him. But that's like his third film, like in, honestly. Give me a hardcore <laughs> action film next year, like a John Wick with Mel Gibson. I'm there. That's get the Gringo. That is okay. what it is. Okay, then I'm there. I'm there. I'll watch it. Don't want you don't have to watch Bloodfather unless you love Get the Gringo. But watch Get the Gringo. It's great. It really is. It's good. I think it. In fact, you should see Get the Gringo too if you want. But we, you should move off of this. But. I think everyone go watch Get the Gringo. So then, but I'm sure as a Netflix, they uh, you know as they go past you know Get the Gringo and fucking Bloodfather and you know The Beaver, which they should pass. Um, they're gonna see shit like Lethal Weapon. They're gonna see shit you know like Maverick. They're gonna see all these other good ones, and they are gonna click on those ones. And then we're gonna hit play because everybody it is time for our Cool Boy Top Five Mel Gibson films acting only. Who's going first? Who's going Who first? Who goes first normally? You do. Do I really always go first? Yes. And I always go last so I can go go final. I can get the, the final word. All right. Well, here we go. I guess so. My top five. I like felt that you get the, the final word. I like that. You, you put a nice little... I, I always find that you have a nice <clears throat> insight and you put a nice little stamp on on it in a way. Yeah. No. I appreciate a little, that. Little, a little end, little end tag. Ballard, you're going first. What is your number five? Well, my number five is an acting role, but also a directorial debut. Mm, really? And that is the film, The Man Without a Face, because this movie for me proved that Mel Gibson right away could not only handle acting, which I don't know if he needed to prove that in the last 30 plus years or 20 plus years of acting he'd already done here. He had knocked it out of the park, mm-hmm. but he pulled off directing. He directed and still delivered a great performance, a powerful performance. It is a very intense movie. It is a very um, socially dark film to mention and talk about considering the content and what it is about. It's not really about uh, uh, child molestation, but it is about the uh, uh, misunderstanding and the mistakes of ass- assumption and, and, and then essentially the... Uh, uh, mafia mob mentality that can happen, um, especially in, uh, I think, whatever year it takes place. I forget what year it takes place. I know it takes place like in the 50s or the 60s, doesn't it? I've actually never seen it. I've only seen the trailer. Seen it a, it's great. Well, it was, it, it's been a long time. 
And well, Mel Gibson has a uh, uh, makeup on half of his face where it looks like he's burned yeah. because he was yeah, his character was that. burned, and um, and he uh, pulls off this character who's hiding behind himself while hiding himself. And uh, that's part of where speculation runs rampant because he's hiding himself. The uh, town doesn't know what to expect from him in general. So when a small rumor gets out that this kid is hanging out, played by Nick Stahl with Mel Gibson, I forget how the rumor starts. Uh, but I just remember this is like a movie that like as a kid I watched and I'm going, wow, this is crazy. This is really good. Like this is this is really good. I I'm really like moved by this story. Like this is intense. And I really have always kind of, I guess, connected with the idea of uh, ju not judging a book by its cover. I am very surprised that's in your top five. That sounds like a very dark and disturbing movie that, you know. I like dark and disturbing. And child molestation flicks. It, no, it isn't. It isn't about that. It's about <laughs> it, it, he never does that yeah, in the it's, movie. It's, it's, just, about, it's about being falsely accused of something you didn't do. So that was my number five. Noli, what's your number five? Noli, what's your number five? <laughs> my top five Mel Gibson film. Let's see if anyone else has it. Does anyone have Lethal Weapon 5. No. <laughs> Was that? No. What? That's not no even a movie. Lethal Weapon 5? doesn't exist. It's not a movie. Uh, see, if there was five, that would be my top five. But there isn't. So it's Lethal Weapon 2. Okay. I have it oh, higher. Well, I I guess for me. Did you actually I think there was higher, a fifth but, Lethal Weapon? But I, guys, I, I just want to be clear for me. I, d I have it higher. <clears throat> but mine is the whole quadrilogy I'm counting as one item. Oh, cheating, okay. I think, See, I, but okay. I, I didn't. I didn't do that, and I didn't think you guys would have two. So I'm. I'm actually very surprised. It was a last minute audible. I actually. Well, had... I, okay, for me, I couldn't pick between two or three, and then I was started thinking about one, and then I was like, oh yeah, and I do like four. So then I just had. I had a loop of them all together. <laughs> well, I actually probably had one at my number five that you guys will probably have two. Is was a payback, but I switched in uh, lethal weapon two because I was thinking I was like I really like payback, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head why I really liked it other than it was Mel Gibson. So no, I've never I seen, seen Payback. Oh, wow. I haven't seen it a long so time. So which Payback have you seen? Have you seen the one that was released in theaters or the one that was released afterwards called Straight Up Edition? See, that's the problem. I only saw the one that was released in theaters. I've never so seen... So that is the Mel Gibson version. Yeah. I've never seen the other version. It's a better version. So the version that's released called the Straight Up Edition or the Straight Up Cut, whatever it's called, that's yeah. the director's cut. Yeah. I've actually been the, trying to buy it for like a long time, but like everything on Amazon's like the Straight Up Edition. Wait, I'm like, ah, I don't want that one. Is your number five, five Payback? No, my number five is Lethal Weapon 2. Oh. But okay. we have it higher up. We have it payback higher up. Is a, payback is an honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, we're just talking about it because he doesn't have a number five to talk about right now. So, all right, so I'll go to your number five. Uh, my number five, uh, which is an audible brought in to replace Apocalypto when this list was made acting only. Uh, Felk, we shall talk about Apocalypto later. We shall though. talk about Apocalypto under directorial efforts, which is a separate category now, which is just fine because I do want to talk about it. Uh, my number five is a movie that he kind of may have directed called The Patriot. Um, directed officially, oh wow, by Roland Emmerich, but I, I have, since it's so much better than anything else Roland Emmerich's done, I kind of have a suspicion that Mel had some influence. And you have to, you have to say that audibly. I, I actually have it higher than number five. That's, that's awesome. Wow, that's great. Well, Felk, want to give us one quick little, little tidbit about The Patriot? Uh... Mel Gibson stabbing a British horse with the American <laughs> flag, or at least the colonial flag, is the most beautiful image I saw in the year of 2000, which was a great year. It was a great year. Perfect year. So cool. Hmm. Well, my number four Mel Gibson film 
of all time is Bird on a Wire. <laughs> I, I love Ballard List because he comes out of nowhere yeah. with his fucking like balls out of left field. A few to oh, a kill. Like, really? Wait, are you guys yeah. telling me that you don't have Bird on a Wire higher up? No, I'm glad that you have these movies on your list because no one else will talk about them, so I'm glad you're talking about no, them. No, I do not have Bird on a Wire higher up. Who, a bird on the Wire on the fucking top. Are you kidding me? But I love it. Let's hear it. I love Bird on a Wire. It is a I great mean, movie. It is one of my quintessential Mel Gibson films because growing up, I had only two Mel Gibson films. I had Road Warrior and, my, and I had... Bird on a Wire. And those are the two that I was renting from the local warehouse. And Bird on a Wire brought it for me every time. That ending is classic Mel where he's all I don't remember shit. anything about he's it. He's dying. Yeah, he, I I, the best Mel Gibson oh, yeah, film, dying. you could judge a good Mel Gibson film by how much he's dying in the last scene. And Bird on a Wire, he's practically dead. The whole sequence as he's <laughs> climbing around and getting shot and stabbed, if I recall. But here... It's, is it like a family-friendly film, though? It's a little family-friendly. It's, it's PG-13. Oh, okay. It's an action comedy. This is this is the uh, the little uh, tagline or whatever, the log line for the film. Okay. An old flame discovers her ex-boyfriend from the past is relocated FBI informant out to stop the bad guys. An FBI informant is out to stop the bad guys? Yeah. Her ex-boyfriend from the past is a relocated FBI informant. And that ex-boyfriend from the past, who's now a relocated FBI informant, is Mel Gibson. And that old flame is Goldie, Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to rent this movie again because as a kid, I, I love the cover. It was a great cover. Oh, I don't think it's that oh, good. It, Ballard, when's the last time you actually watched Bird on a Wire? Oh, yesterday. <laughs> Easy answer. But really? No. It's like uh, probably like I... 1992? Like... Yeah, like, like, yeah, like my my only experience with Bird on Wire was probably watching it in the early '90s on like Sunday afternoon on like your basic TV channel. So I I saw it edited. <laughs> but I do I do remember the scene you're talking about where he's like almost dying. Bill Duke is in this Mac. Oh yeah, Predator. I have a strong Never. feeling that you're not gonna every one of your on your list is gonna be something neither me or Nolan has. That's fine. It's variety. <laughs> no, no, I'm just. I, that's just. That's a, that. That just shows the that Ballard has a different. Uh... Well, he also lumped Lethal Weapons all into one. Yeah. I could have done a top five of just Lethal Weapon films. I don't think that's well, you can do a top four at least. Uh, yeah. I, don't, well, I don't think that's. I, I guess we can move on from Burn on a Wire, but Burn on a Wire is great. It's got it's got it's got some you know nice cheesy like 1990 action, which is really still 80s as far as I was concerned, and. Uh, got some you know classic mel stuff some classic goldie stuff some you know i think mel gibson shows his ass at one point in the movie if i'm not mistaken because he was trying to do that in all the movies i guess at that time Had um to. but yeah it's a good movie it's a fun movie and uh yeah I, it was a it had a you know an impressionable moment for me I, I can't really add to that because i don't really i think i've seen it in like the early 90s as a kid but i do not remember anything about bird on a wire so can't really i should rewatch it I probably should rewatch it, and then I will uh, get back to you guys. Fantastic. Well, my number four was Felk's number five, The Patriot. Oh, nice. What? Ballard not on your list? I, I Nope. That's a, that's crazy to me because The Patriot is one of the last great Mel Gibson films we got. Mm -hmm. And not only do I like it because he's a fucking absolute badass in it, the movie is actually good too. Like they kill the son. They kill another fucking son. And then at the end, you think, oh, fuck, they might even kill Mel Gibson here and do a Braveheart on us. And, like, I was, like, I was not ready for that. Yeah. Jason, Jason Isaacs is a great villain. Great. It's a, yeah. it's a really good movie. 
I think it it's is. near it's perfect. I, 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 the only explanation is that uh, Mel had a lot of input into uh, the directing because it just seems so much so superior to anything else Roland Emmerich's ever touched. Yeah, and, it, and it, well, yeah. Hard. I mean, I don't recall many Roland Emmerich films where the lead um, ends up taking a hatchet to the British Army or any army and then just like doing the craziest hack job. That seems so it, fucking yeah. cool. Mel, Mel must violent. have had, he directed that scene for sure. Where he's telling his Mel Gibson, sh- what, yeah, where he's telling his sons Mel how to Gibson shoot Mel Gibson was them. the uh, second unit, I think, honestly. I think he was the second unit. I, uh, why wouldn't you? Why After Braveheart, like if you had, if you had to go shoot something else that day, like let Mel direct. Um, yeah, I mean, to. Andy Serkis was second unit, I think, on the, one of the Hobbit films, if not like two out of the three of the Hobbit films. And those are um, great films, great films. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, uh, actors have Hobbits. been called upon... Yeah, they uh, yeah the Hollywood films are fantastic movies, <laughs> and um, but actors have been called upon multiple times to be uh, the second unit director, especially uh, confident actors who are also great directors. Kevin Costner. Yeah, Costner. Well, I think I think Costner demands it. I think this is more of a case of like Roland knew that he had someone better than him, and why not take his advice? The Do scene you think where Henry Cavill directs his second units. Of course he does. No, um, the scene where he's telling his his kids to uh, how to how to shoot people how to shoot the british soldiers is like that is the most mel gibson scene ever he's protecting his kids with violence like yeah it is that's a running theme with mel gibson films is that you uh that he uh don't fuck with his family (laughs) because he knows how to that's what blood father is all about absolutely that's what blood father is all about like half his movies are about actually like almost all of his movies are him getting violent to protect the family member we were soldiers. If you look at the fact that his the soldiers are all brothers and they're like his sons, then that whole movie is about him protecting his sons, quote yeah. unquote. But yeah, The Patriot was one of honorable mention of mine. Um, it would probably be number six or seven on my list. Uh, it's a great movie. I loved it. It's one of those films that I was hooked on immediately. I was on the edge of my seat. It has those nineteen, like nine or I guess two thousand. It has those classic, very too early two thousand like CGI effects where it looks more like kind of like a painting. It doesn't look yeah. right, but it, oh, it looks like marching in. it's okay though. I think anyway, I love it. It's like it's like a Mel Gibson. It's like a Braveheart too. It's like, yeah, yes, and it's, one of the things I love about what they did is they did the uh, cannonballs. They did those justice, and I hadn't seen cannonball done justice since Glory. And uh, Patriot does a great job of showing how these are just essentially huge iron balls, just rolling really fast, just taking off limbs. They're not they're not splattering people. They're not causing massive explosions. They're just taking off limbs and knocking people over and taking off more limbs and knocking people over. It's a great job. And that's what a cannonball did. And they were incredibly, incredibly destructive and, and but not very deadly. Yeah. And don't forget deadly. That, actually, I guess deadly afterwards when the gangrene and your wound like turned bad and all that. Yeah. Shit. And also don't forget that, uh, Mel is the reason they cast Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was an unknown and he specifically was like, this kid's the next me. And well, and he and, he and could have been. Heath was Heath was Heath was great as long as he was here. He was great. Mm-hmm. I don't recall ever seeing a film. I haven't seen that many Heath Ledger films, to be honest. But I haven't seen a Heath Ledger film. I haven't liked Heath Ledger in it. And I thought when you see him first in The Patriot, he looks like that classic. Like, oh, is he just a pretty boy no. actor that got this role? And then you start to realize while watching Patriot, you're like, oh, he's actually kind of captivating, even in The Patriot in his little role. Yeah. I think the Patriot and he is had a to be captivating because when he dies, it's important for you to like actually not Great see that scene. coming. I love when you're dying; you can just uh, the 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 priest throws up like the last. That's gun. so badass. Oh, yeah. take it, 
Mel's like, I got it. And that's it. so Braveheart. It is nothing like anything Roland Emmerich's done. It is exactly like many yeah, scenes in Braveheart. Yeah, that's a Braveheart scene for sure. I think he totally directed is. that film. The finale, though, I thought Mel Gibson, the, the movie was so good, I thought they might actually kill Mel there at the end. I was like, okay, they're going to do it, and I'm going to hate this movie. Yeah, I thought they were going to have him die taking out Jason Isaacs. Yeah. But but he we survives, and also the, the John Williams score. I mean, it's it's a John, it's yeah, it's it's a it's John one of like John Williams' Williams last great Wake. scores. Uh, is it that Force Awakens is a pretty good score, dude? Force Awakens is yeah. a pretty good score because it's just more Star Wars music. Patriot's a great film. Watch it, Phil. What's your number four? My number four is a film about poker, sort of called Maverick. Nice. I was it was on. I wanted someone to include this. I think Maverick, Maverick is so fun. The most fun scene is probably where he's uh, doing the back and forth with Graham Greene. Oh, you had a hire? You don't have it higher? No. Do you have I it, higher have it higher? Ballard would not have this movie on his list. I, I no, it's, on my honorable, it's, it's an honorable mention of mine. I love I Maverick. I, with what women want next. Uh, I love What I love about Maverick is how it starts off with him saying, like, well, I had a real shitty week. Yeah, that's all. That's, it starts with him being dragged by the horse. And, and it's, it's PG. A, it is. It's a PG opening. And he says, and I, something along the effects of like, I had a real shitty week. And I remember sitting in theaters with my mom and my brother and seeing that sequence and going, what? He just <laughs> said shit. I think that's like one of the few curse words in that movie. Uh, um, I can't remember if he's being dragged by a horse, Phil. I think he's actually, isn't he being hung over rattlesnakes? And then he gets dragged by a horse afterwards after yeah, he falls yeah, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, tree yeah. and then the horse drags him. Yeah. Uh, the most fun scene is when he's talking to Graham Greene, uh, Native American, and he's doing the back and forth, speaking their language. And it's just funny because like he's, it sets him up perfectly as almost a Han Solo-esque character who he's not the typical, you know, Mel Gibson, like, loner of a few words. This is a talkative, fun, kind of charismatic grifter. And we don't really see too much of he's Mel Gibson. He's, he's the real Mel Gibson to a certain degree. Yeah. And he is, he is a charming scoundrel uh, poker player. And... Uh, Love everything about the movie. Uh, it, it even does it right at the end of the poker tournament because it, it, so many movies about poker kind of fuck up and they seem to miss the whole point that being good at poker is not about being having the best hand. It's about uh, making the best decisions with the hand you have. And at the end of the movie, he wins with this most ridiculous, like a royal straight flush. Like that doesn't mean you're a good poker player winning with a royal straight flush. It just means you got you were lucky and had a good hand that one hand. Uh, but it's a plot meanwhile, point. Meanwhile, how does he how does he win? It's a plot point. <laughs> it's a plot point because uh, he specific. It's like set up the idea that he has almost a so, somewhat magical ability where he could draw a card and it be the exact card he needs it so it's, it works on a dramatic level so thus it works my big problem with casino royale is that no for no reason it's the same thing where he gets like a a, a straight flush at the at the end uh, bond does and, and it's like that's not being a good poker player getting the best hand it's about you know you could win with, with a seven offsuit if if you play it play it right whereas maverick makes it a plot point and it's a one of the best scenes of any poker like like the third act is just playing poker and it's actually exciting and uh i think it's interesting to see they did it right they did it right what is your ballard what is your number three so my number three is now we're here noli finally it's the lethal weapon quadrilogy <laughs> is my number three four movies oh, I, are your number three yeah i've got a lethal weapon higher than number three so i think we're gonna have to keep oh, pushing the lethal weapon on that's right, folks. You just wait there. Lethal Weapon's coming sooner than later. So much Lethal Weapon. 
Well, why don't you just go ahead then, Nolan, and go into your number three. My number three is definitely on your guys' list, except for maybe Ballard's. It probably is higher, but I have number three as Braveheart. Higher. Yep, that's what I thought. I have so, to say higher as well. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's your guys' number one because it's a great film. But we can talk about it later. <laughs> well, say one thing you like about it. What do I – there's not much to say. It's Braveheart, so, you know. It's not much to say. It's just, you know, your number three. You know, Braveheart's one of the best films ever made, so we'll talk about it later. Yep. It really is possibly one of the best films ever fucking I, made. I actually just watched it within the last week. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Everyone should check it out if you haven't seen it. But you've all seen it. It's great. You know what? Yeah. I, one of the things about Braveheart that I really like about it is that it feels like the end of classical filmmaking for epic films. Because after Braveheart, you had what? I think the next real big epic was Gladiator. Yep. And Gladiator was shaky cam intense you're in the battle and but you're not following the battle and it's not clear how the army's moving left to right there and all that stuff in, in and uh in the opening sequence yeah but opening, it's it's not like it's it, right in the beginning and then you that's the biggest battle there is and it gets smaller that is but that battle's very confusing and then it had other movies that came out of course like alexander troy other things that also had the battle weird but braveheart had the battle done right and that's one of the things mel gibson actually said about uh making braveheart is that they had no injuries caused during any of the stunt work on any of those battles because they had a concepted art perfectly and they had it all prepped and planned out. And that shows all that meticulousness shows when you watch the movie because it is very chaotic feeling, but very clear what is going on and what you're seeing. And that those battle sequences are yeah, amazing. We're going to get into that whole movie because there's a lot more great shit about that movie later. So, well, then, Noli, so that was your number three. Felk, what's your number three? Uh, my number three. Uh, <laughs> replacing Apocalypto uh, is Lethal Weapon. Wait, I two. thought you replaced Apocalypto yeah, already. I did, I did, I did. Uh, that's where now I Now you're replacing it. it again? You had it so many times on your list? Because I had to shift everything down when I took it out. Oh, gotcha. So oh, this gotcha, would have been gotcha. uh, Lethal oh, Weapon okay. 2. Oh! Which, which was my number five, but since... Uh, we should just talk about Lethal Weapon No, this is not later. the highest it's going to be. Oh my god. This, okay, no. so we'll talk about Lethal Weapon 2 right two. now. 2, yeah, specifically 2. Because I feel okay, like they're... Two. Yeah. I can't believe you don't movies. have one on this list. Two, two is fantastic. Though. Two's right there with one. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think two's I the best. Like two's the best. You two's guys both best. think two's the best. I yeah. love the way two starts yeah. just right in the middle of a chase where like Riggs is punching like the roof. He's just like, yeah, let's fucking get him. And it has it has it has by far the most powerful ending line out of all of them. Just and, been revoked. Yeah, yeah, and and who says it? Danny Glover. That's right. And this is also another movie where Mel Gibson is beaten to shit, and he's practically dead by the he's end of the movie. Emotionally like beaten to shit too. That's the knives in his legs. Because it's like, yeah, the first one he's just depressed when you first meet him, and this one he's like getting his life back together, kind of. And then shit happens, and he loses and, the girl. Yeah, and, but 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 Felk not only getting his life back together and shit happens, he finds a super fucking hot yeah. bod. She is so hot. Super, super hot bod. So hot. And she's just bod, too. I mean, she, what? She Does she have a line in the movie? I barely remember her talking. Like, yeah, I just she remember her. Line. She goes, is that a baseball expression? She's more, oh, she's more than right. that. <laughs> no, there's whole scenes. I know, there's whole scenes, but she's still a bod. She has I mean, the whole she's, fucking comparing scarf scene. Yeah. There's, there's no the, reason. Yeah. It's, it's classic 90s, early 90s film, though. There's no reason for these two, two people to hook up other than the fact that they wanted some sex in the movie. Like they, they needed that sex scene. They exchange like one scene of dialogue in a grocery store, and the next scene they're fucking banging. Oh, totally Pat, Patsy, banging. isn't it? 
she's hot. Mm. She's buttery. Uh, she's delicious. I will say my favorite scene is they're having sex while helicopters are moving in on the coast of Malibu in his camper show, which I don't think anyone in Malibu could. You can't have a camper like on the beach like that in Los Angeles. But I love when he sends her down below and then busts out the top of the machine gun and just unloads on a helicopter. Like, who does that? Mel Gibson. But yeah, Martin Riggs does. Yeah. Noli, you should I love that pull shot. up Patsy. Pull up Patsy Kensett, man. Just look at her like today. I don't just, I don't have to. I know I have a great visual memory of her tits in my head. She looks, she no, looks but pretty like good today. today. She, she looks today like, she looks great. She looks pretty good today. Look at her. She looks great. Anyway, another great part about Lethal Open 2 is the trailer ended with the oak oh, the scene on the toilet is amazing. But the, the trailer ended with yeah. Oh, yeah. landing on the hood of the <clears> shield <throat> of the car and them going, This summer. They ain't taking no crap. Is that the tagline? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a tagline. <laughs> I just think it's the and best, uh, uh, b- the best lethal weapon. Uh, the fucking shot when they're like the tracking cam, like down the hotel, when they fall out of it and they go into the pool. That's amazing. It is. It's oh like yeah. The, t- the tightest action sequences. The the whole toilet bomb thing is is uh, just really tense, but also like a perfect mixture of like tension and comedy. Uh, South African villain is, I think, the best villain of the series, uh, and it's super satisfying when he gets killed. Uh, yeah, I just, I think it's awesome. I think it's a perfect sequel. And Pesci was yeah, good. It's, it's great. In three, he gets a, he gets too annoying. In three. Oh yeah, Pesci is great. In number two. Yeah. I just sent you guys uh, a modern uh, topless photo of Penzi Kensett. Okay. It's modern topless. Of Pesci. Patsy Kensett. Oh, yeah. I would still be all over that. Wait for it to refresh. You know, she was uh, married to the uh, lead singer of Oasis for a while. Text message, Felk. Yeah, my phone's uh, charging. It's all the way over there. Oh, okay. She's great. She's still looking good. She's like 49. Is that what you're saying? She was born in 68. No problem fucking that 49-year-old. That'd be an awesome day. Yeah. Oh, geez. She's she's gorgeous. Anyways, um... So yeah, so I mean, for me, I, I think I think two's the best. I think I think for me, two is absolutely the best. But I like one shot in three more than I like probably anything in two, and that's the shot in which Riggs comes. Hold on, hold out. on. Let, let me okay. Let me stop you. Is it when he comes out of the subway double gunning it? <laughs> no, no, uh, that's incredible. I like that, the way oh. you just reacted it though. <laughs> no, that is incredible. Who like that? He's like fucking like going like this. Dude, he that, that is an actor who is absolutely nervous of the guns he's firing. And um I don't think so. I think he, he just looks loves he them. looks weird. He looks so weird doing it. I don't know. I, don't maybe. Know, I feel like there's but, a little uh, bit of rigs and John Sex. Am I wrong? There's all it's a lot of a whole bunch of. For me, I think though the best shot of three that is makes it the best movie <laughs> okay, alone. I know what you're talking about now. Wait, three? What is it? <laughs> it's yeah. the falling shot, right? Where he's falling and he looks up at the camera, he's like, "Oh shit!" It's that whole sequence, really. Okay. But it okay. it starts with that uh, him coming out in the motorcycle with the broken windshield through the smoke, and he's oh. go, "Oh!" Yeah, and he's all dude. like, you know, he realizes he's about to go over the edge. That's actually that one of my shot for me. Time. That's the shot. But that is followed by an incredible sequence of shots that are absolutely fantastic. Okay. Oh yeah, that's a great scene, dude. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're up to 
number two for. for oh, and also, and also three. Sorry, also three has the <laughs> classic. Um, the rookie goes, "It's my first day, and it's my birthday, or whatever the fuck it is." You know, yeah, they're going like, to the final battle, and the rookie's like, "Hey, it's my birthday." They're like, "Okay, come along." I just feel like three was the push to comedy. And wasn't it his like his first week? Also, like in the job, like they like they show his first day. In okay, the, in he's the, a rookie. You know, th- three three is when the movie goes to comedy. Riggs is no longer like a suicidal maniac. Yeah. And then, by, and then by four, he's a family man. So yeah, four is terrible. I don't think so. I think four is great. I, I love the four. opening. They're fighting a fucking comic book villain. They're 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 fighting Firefly from Batman, basically. Like it's fine. The reason that that three is a comedy is because Joe Pesci sold himself so well in two, and he's the standout character. Isn't Chris Rock in four? Is like yeah. yes. additional comic relief. Dude, he was the, hired to be the new Joe Pesci, and he failed. Yeah. The, the car chase in four is top-notch shit. It's a it great is. car chase. It, now, that's, that actually was filmed in Vegas when I was in Vegas uh, when I was a kid uh, with my family, and <laughs> we couldn't use the 15 because they were doing uh, 405, quote-unquote, 405 or whatever it was. It was the 405, right? It was supposed to be the 405? I think it's supposed to be the 5. When it turns like five? 405, when it turns into the five and it goes in the mountains, I think that's what it's supposed to be. Okay, so yeah, it's the five. Okay, so it's the five. All right, but it's, it was Shaw Shaw in the 15 in Vegas because they wouldn't, LA wouldn't allow them to shut down a freeway to film that scene. Because I, I always imagine they drove through those buildings there in uh, Studio City. They actually uh, hit a stunt guy driving through that building coming out the window. If you watch the movie, they actually put the shot in the film. It put the dude, like, it paralyzed the, the stunt guy. Oh my God. Yeah, the, the car hits him in the legs, and it like apparently paralyzed the dude, for, and he's fucking like paralyzed for the rest of his life, just chilling like a villain. Well, you were one of the best shots ever, so yeah. congratulations, stunt yeah. guy. And you know, you know, was it Warner Brothers that is just paying you out right now? Still, if he's still alive. Well, I hope you're still alive, stunt man. You were a great window washer. Yeah. Oh yeah, the timing apparently they didn't call the timing right on the actual stunt. Oops. And the other guy just barely got out of the shot. So yeah, if you go back and watch that scene when the car jumps out of the building back onto the freeway, you see I think it's the guy on the left that gets hit. What, what, wait, speaking of great stuntmen. Oh, well, my number two is not stuntman related. It's Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Fire. Wow. So that's okay. obviously number one for you guys. No, no. I haven't done my number two yet. I, I have it at number two. Okay, so Nolan, your number two is Road Warrior, and my number two is Road Warrior. So, Felk, your number two is? Braveheart. Braveheart. Which was my number three. Well, guess what, Felk? I have it higher. Oh, so shit. let's go to now my number one. What's happening? My number one is Braveheart. So let's get into Braveheart. Braveheart. Cue the music. T minus, cool boys, and counting. Three, two, one. Number one. Number one. I'm just gonna guess why uh, why Ballard loves Braveheart. It's because there's it's the only movie in which a gay man gets thrown out a window, <laughs> <laughs> fulfilling your dream. Long, uh, long. What's long something? Long. Sh- what's his name? Long Shanks. Long, sh- long Shanks. Long Shanks. Long Shanks. Long Shanks. Yeah. So yeah, Braveheart. I love Braveheart. That, um, that's weird that he actually thought he that he hated gay so much when that scene just makes Longshanks so like mean by pushing out his uh, son's lover. But like, yeah, but his son's gay. also a little bitch. I mean, his that son is a stereotypical. That is a stereotypical negative view of a gay man. If I ever he's, was one, he's he's a fucking Disney Prince John right there. 
Yeah, yeah but he's also a little bitch who fucks up everything, kind of. That's the Disney Prince John. Uh, who's Prince John? The fucking tiger who just who sucked his thumb. He's a fucking little bitch. Yeah, you know what? He They take it up the ass. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, this is only for taking a shit when I point at my ass. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and I, uh, you know, and and it, it, with this look, who, who's going to think I'm gay? I don't no, lend but, myself but, to that type of confusion. Do I look like a homosexual? Do I talk like them? Do I move like them? Glad really did not like the movie and did not like that it won Best Picture. It's oh, a really? great movie, yeah. though. It really is a good movie. It's incredibly well done. It is emotional. You feel <clears throat> it. You understand from the it, it, his his love is in the film for a very short period of time. If you look at the film as a whole. But she's very powerful in the moment she's there. That actress does a great job. And you understand it. all of Mel Gibson's motivation from I that point it. on Always of have. why he wants to just just wreck, like, like just house. Wreck house. On the entire British army. And, he's, and it's not it's not for Scotland. He's not doing any of this for Scotland. Now, some of the lords may like to twist it that way. And they do that. And that's great how they show the politics back then, especially within the Scottish lords. But I love that uh, it's just him on a revenge tour. Really? Yeah, and I will say, having just watched it, like, seriously, like, this last week, it was so violent at the time, and now when you watch it, it, like, doesn't even, like, come close to what we see today, though, like, in Game of Thrones. It's pretty violent still. It, it's it's still a violent movie. It's considered one of the most violent films, like, ever made at the time for, like, a war film, but, like, if you watch it today, it's not that violent. I mean, there's a couple limbs get cut off and some blood squirts, but, like, not what we see today. Speaking on that violence, did you know that there is an edit... Um, of the film, uh, Mil- I've listened to the uh, audio commentary of Braveheart, and uh, Mel Gibson talks about during the torture sequence at the end uh, with William Wallace. He talks about how there is an edit where you see him get disemboweled, and uh, I, don't, and, I don't need to and, see that. And you see uh, the uh, the beheading, and everything is shown. And this is kind of really him just, I guess, exploring this side of him that he's about to get into later with films like Passion of the Christ. Yeah, it's way better uh, when films- you don't see it. Films like uh, Hacksaw Ridge, films like Apocalypto, where he like showed shit that he didn't need to show. Anyways, so there is an edit that he looked at it, and when he said he watched it over, he said he it was too much and it was more haunting and more violent to think it through yourself and see and see it in your head what's going on to him rather than showing it. And he he's definitely right, but uh, he filmed that shit. And then the other thing is that he also even turned down, he even toned down some of the violence that actually did occur that was real. So William Wallace. And that scene when he's fighting the British Army, uh, I think it's the first time he's uh, rallying up the troops to take on the British Army, and he gets shot in the chest with an arrow. The real William Wallace got shot in the neck, and they didn't want to put the neck, uh, being shot in the neck, into the movie because they felt that the audience would not believe someone surviving an arrow to the neck. But the real William Wallace did get shot in the neck and uh, did survive. Okay. It's great. It's a fantastic, historically like inaccurate movie, but uh, it, I, I heard the real William Wallace did shoot lightning bolts out of his arse. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, and balls of fire from his arse, lightning bolts oh, from his eyes, and balls okay. of fire from his arse. That's right. I am William Wallace. It's very similar to the Patriot. It's just basically a guy who goes to war for personal vengeance for the loss of a loved one, and then just kind of gets caught up in being the leader of of an actual political thing. You're absolutely right. It's it's uh, it's actually so. I like to look at these films as there's Braveheart Part One, yeah, the William Wallace story, and then there's Braveheart Two, the Patriot. Then there's Braveheart Three, we were soldiers. Like they do all feel like this kind of unofficial trilogy of Mel Gibson through time through war. 
I don't like We Were Soldiers that much. I think We Were Soldiers is okay, but not great. It's okay. I like We Were Soldiers a lot, but there's the whole going back to the homes when they go back to the United States and they follow the wives. That's stupid. I don't. I, it's not stupid because it's women. It's stupid because no, it's it stupid because it's women. it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Nah, it takes you out of everything. It takes happening. you out of everything. And then when Barry Pepper has to do the whole photographer moment when it goes to black and white photography, and he's all like, "Oh, oh, I gotta get this shot, and I gotta get this shot," and it's all on a green screen. Like that takes me out of the movie too. But otherwise, that movie's solid. Uh, it's got flaws. Um, Chris Klein is a flaw of anything he's in. Chris Klein is not a good actor. And He's great in Street Fighter. No, they killed him. So I mean, Chris Klein's like, not in Street Fighter. Oh yes, he is. The movie Street the, Fighter, the Revenge of Chung Li or whatever. Oh, I've never, I've never that. seen that. <laughs> I, was, one. I was making a joke. Did you see it, Nori? Is he in that? No. Oh. Yeah, he's definitely in it. Okay, good for him. The Chung Li, the Chung Li. Okay. I, Maybe this is controversial, but I kind of hate whenever they try to equate the sacrifices of the women who are married to soldiers with that of the actual soldiers. Totally. So you, so you hate Pearl Harbor? No, because she's actually a nurse in, in the war zone. She's sticking uh, fingers in wounds. And stuff. Yeah, she's so actually like doing stuff to yeah. She's sticking fingers in more places than wounds. Yeah. She used Coke bottles to get blood. All right, all right, all right. She's, she's a fucking slut. Yeah. Kate Beckinsale's character, which one's ass did she lick? Hartnett's? Or Affleck's? Hartnett's. Oh, she definitely like Hartnett's, yeah. Hartnett yeah, looked like a man. He wanted his asshole. You know Affleck's asshole is so sweaty. Batman ass. I bet you Affleck's ass is like literally like looking at pepperoni pizza. Probably is the best ass of any Batman. Probably the best ass. So it's the only Batman ass that we've ever seen actually in a Batman film. Yeah. We, just saw that we don't know if that's really Kilmer's ass or Clooney's ass. No, that's literally that Ben Affleck's ass in Batman v Superman. Oh, you mean in the shower scene? When's he show his ass? In the shower scene. In, in the, the cut you edition. haven't seen. In the extended oh. edition, there's an actual nude shower scene in which Ben <laughs> Affleck is taking a shower. Nowhere. You guys, I actually am tracking this on Amazon. Once it gets to six ninety nine, the Blu-ray, I will buy it and I will watch it. Six ninety nine? Come on, it's way six ninety nine. If you don't buy the three D version, you're doing yourself an injustice. I haven't seen the three D version. Look, that movie's not worth any more. It's free on HBO right now. I could watch it any day of the week, but I'm waiting to watch your theatrical bull or your super The cut. Ultimate Cut's on on HBO? The Ultimate Cut. Extended no, Edition. Mm. I'm waiting to watch no, it. No, it's called the Ultimate Edition. Um, yeah, so the, the Extended Edition has uh, Ben Affleck taking a shower for no reason, and you just see his ass. He was going to a party. Yeah. He's that getting ready for a party. It. That's right. That might be worth the $9.99 price tag. Well... So I guess um, on Braveheart, Sophie Marceau's yeah. in it as the French princess. She's gorgeous. She brought, you know, and this movie brought us Sophie Marceau. Like, I didn't know who she was before this film. Gorgeous. She is. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful lady. Beautiful, She's beautiful great. lady. She's great. The, She's tre- the movie she, tremendous. fantastic. Tremendous. I think I think we've all seen it. I think it's like been talked about forever. I think it's a great film. And they it kill, and they kill, they kill the main character, dude, at the end. That's great. Yeah. That's a hardcore it, move. It As deserves always. to be number one on anyone's list. I will not fight it. It's a fantastic film. Absolutely. And on top of all that, th- this wonderful movie we just talked about, all these great reasons, the casting, the story, the 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 action, the the planning of the battle sequences, uh, the, the, the gay bashing, all of these wonderful <laughs> things were all done and directed by Mel Gibson. And I got to say, he did this all while, while directing this movie too. And this was the last film that he would direct and act in because after this film, he said, that was stupid of me yeah, and I will never no. do it again. 
I'm sure it's it was very hard. He never did it again, but he knocked it Look out of the cameos, park. But he never cameos in anything he's in. He's a ca- he, has, he cameos in Passion of the Christ and Apocalypse. Uh, I think Apocalypto the cameos in the trailer only and in Passion of the Christ I didn't know he had a cameo and yeah. I heard there's a rumor that he's a cameo in Hacksaw Ridge but you know, it's not clear at all yeah I know who he is in, in those interesting okay um, well good um, I um, I think I think I think it's incredible that he was able to pull off with a directorial film that like that like where he was both director actor and he did pull off so many Oscars the movie is really great so that's our my number one Noli, what's your number one? My number one is Lethal Weapon. The first I can't one. Believe, I can't believe you don't have it on this. Dude, it's a fucking great movie. I, I had it like number three. Two, yeah, no, you, you had all four at number three. <laughs> uh, I still don't think Dude, we should be allowed to do that. It epitomizes the Mel Gibson persona, though. Just a fucking crazy, maniacal fucking madman. It's a very anything. different movie. Like, if you watch Lethal Weapon and then watch Lethal Weapon 4, it'd be like, these are the same fucking series? Because he's yeah, a different totally. character by the fourth one. He's, he's Ooh, depressed yeah. and insane in the first one. Gentlemen, I have a question for you about Lethal Weapon. Hmm? Now, I will preface this with Die Hard is a Christmas film. Yeah. Die Hard 2 die harder is not a christmas film but takes place at christmas okay hang on you probably know where i'm going here though already shane black Mm -hmm. wrote lethal weapon is lethal weapon a christmas movie or a film that takes place during christmas and one more time for shane black iron man 3 is a film that takes place during christmas it is not a christmas film Lethal Weapon is not a Christmas film. Right, it is yeah. a film that takes place during Christmas. Yeah, same, same. I totally agree with that. Okay, cool. Some people like to claim Lethal Weapon as a Christmas movie and bring it up during the holiday season, and I say, no, but you can't do that with Die Hard. Die Hard well, and it, only it Die d- Hard. It does yeah. have a scene where people... It has a scene in a Christmas tree lot. It has yes. scenes where Christmas trees are in it, like a car crashes through a house. So, yeah, isn't Christmas. it also a Christmas song playing, like, during the uh, opening sequence as well? Yes, it is. Yeah, so it, it, it has that, and it has... A, a couple Christmas scenes, but it never is like an overly Christmas film. Not at all. You know, no, not the way Die Hard is like on Christmas Eve, right? No, uh, Die Hard, uh, I think, is it's yeah Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve, and it kind yeah. of goes into Christmas Day with the snow being the paper falling all over the place. Yeah, Die Hard, everything and every shot since it's all in the same area is always Christmassy. Lethal Weapon, like, there's stuff in the desert, there's stuff like in the Pacific Palisades, there's stuff in downtown Los Angeles. There's stuff in a pipe room, yeah, in downtown LA randomly. Like, I love it, just right off Hollywood, there's a room full of pipes with water dripping everywhere, and you can just hang people up and torture them. That's a great, that's one of my favorite torture scenes ever when he's being uh, tortured by Endo, who needs to be in every single movie in the 80s. He's actually in Die Hard, Endo. Uh, he eats a Snickers bar while they're setting up the the battery in Die Hard. Remember oh, yeah? That? I don't you recall. Don't remember, you don't remember Endo? No. The fucking Chinese guy with the mullet that's in the, oh, the mustache? Oh, yes, yeah, the mustache. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Endo. He's Endo and Lethal Weapon. They're like, here's Endo. He's like very into his craft oh and my his craft God. is like electrocuting you while you hang dude that guy probably made a lot of bank as being that character in so many mm. 80s films plus lethal weapon we had mr joshua mr, mr. Jo- joshua oh, give me a break what a fucking villain's name 
Mr. Joshua. This is Genghis Khan and uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I, apparently. For me, I he think was. what Lethal Weapon is, uh, what drags it down for me is that it, it, it really is um, slow it's and depressing. dark and somber and depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. <clears throat> and, um, and, it's, and, and you really just don't want that from Mel Gibson. Like Don, no. Danny Glover kind of doesn't matter, but Mel Gibson. I don't like dark Mel Gibson in that way. I like happy-go-lucky Mel Gibson when he's on screen. See, th that's why in two they found a happy balance where it was dark, but yet he was happy and cut jokes. Yep, because yeah, and but then they had Joe Pesci also to play off of as well. Yeah. But one's a fantastic film, man. It's it's the first like buddy cop film that started the whole franchise of like '80s buddy cop action films that we still have today. I don't know if it started it, but definitely made it prominent for sure. Yeah, definitely made it, it put huge. It, put it into the primetime eyes. Oh, for sure. It's made it blockbuster. Yeah, it was. It became. It became a, a blockbuster world, and that for that point. I love it. I, I love the fact that you can like chase a bad guy down, and instead of arresting him, you're like, you want a shot at the title. And you have a fight. You have a fight on the front lawn of your house. Very true. Like, and, it, and I would say that um, Lethal Weapon did was it made Mel Gibson a star. Like Mel Gibson was not a star coming out of other Australian films. But he was a star coming out of Lethal Weapon. And that For made sure. him huge. Huge. And, but there was one Australian film that I think um, at least brought him to the U.S. that got him the role as Riggs in uh, Lethal Weapon. And that would have been a character called Max. Max leads us perfectly into Felk's number one. Uh, yes, it does. Although it's not the first movie in which he played Max. This is, is not. And I'm an American, so I know it as simply... The Road Warrior. Because we didn't see Mad Max by that point. It had not no. been released in the States. We didn't Road know Warrior what, we was didn't released know what first no Mad in the Max States. 2 would have been. So we saw mm -hmm. we saw The Road Warrior. Yep. And uh, I think it's a perfect movie. I think it is it an absolute is. perfect movie. And uh, he says, I, I can't even remember now. I want to see 17 lines in the entirety of the movie. He's acting with his face, which is a perfect face. He's like in his early 20s at that point still. It was, uh, he was very young for the roles. For for the first Mad Max, he's like twenty years old, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's young. And he, I, my understanding was that it was uh, his friend was going in for the casting, and they saw Mel, and he was all beat up from a fight before that night, and he was all like, you know, they're like, hey, why don't you come in and read? And he did a good reading, but he was all beat up. So like, why don't you come back later once you've healed, and we can get a look at you? And they came back later, and he was all like, yep, you're gonna do it. And he just got into like a bar fight like the night before. Yeah. Every time I watch. Uh uh, Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. I simply picture an, the, an old Mel Gibson. As, yeah, as here's Tom what I'll say about that. Imagine this. Mad Max Fury Road is a, a great film. Yeah. If they casted Mel, Mel Gibson today as an older Mel Gibson, an older Max, and put him in that role, I might be calling best film ever made. Yeah. Agreed. It would have been. Mel, Mel would have brought that intensity that Tom Hardy just didn't bring to the character. When he says, my name is Max at the end, like that means nothing coming from Tom Hardy. It would have been everything coming from Mel. I also yeah. think oh that Mel God. would have brought like this level of, of, of wink to the audience that, that's right, I've had all this shit in the limelight. Also, I am Max from back in the day, so... I am constantly, you know, winking to you about all the other shit I've done. So, like, this truck chase is probably reminding you of the truck chase I was in earlier, too, in, the, in Road Warrior. And it doesn't make much sense why they didn't cast him. I mean, the movie was a, <coughs> a gamble to begin with. Yeah. Just fucking, just get Mel to do it. Like, Oh, man. I don't think Charlize would have been in the film. Probably not. She barely was in the film with Tom Hardy. Yeah, she, she, she just does not get along with people for, for what Apparently, I they're all comfortable getting along with each other because now they know it'll make money again. But yeah. yeah, 
they're having like they were having all kinds of trouble on that set apparently with uh, the two of them, Tom Hardy well, and Charlie. It took like Theron. two years to film out in the fucking desert. Well, yeah, because he had to move the filming from what from Australia to, to Africa, Namibia. Right? Yeah, yeah, because of the flowers were there was these flowers all over Australia. Yep, because they had a flash flood. That was, well, that wasn't a problem with the Road Warrior. No, which and the Road was Warrior shot is in Australia. A, I think the Road Warrior is truly a better version of Fury Road still because I think Fury yeah, Road is just. One section of the Road Warrior. Well, I feel like Road Warrior has the the one of the great things that the Mad Max films do is that you go and you explore a world. While I feel like the Road Warrior is more like you get thrown into this world and then boom, you're on the go, and you discover. And one of the great things about For Your Road is that you discover this world as you're on the go. But with Road Warrior, you come to a town and you get to meet some characters. It takes them, and your movie's a little slower paced. And yeah. I think that's what makes it a five-star film because it gives you moments to breathe. So when those fast-paced moments come, they're really fast. When those intense moments come, when they're like, you know, just walk away. Like you fucking feel oh, yeah. Best like the ever. intensity of that delivery. Yeah, that's that's why if Mel was in Fury Road, it's unquestionably like the best a top five film ever made because yeah. we didn't we, we wouldn't need any of that exposition we just we, we already know it it would have been also you know who's great in that movie though Nicholas Holt is fantastic in that movie Nicholas Holt was good but Road Warrior had a better boy it had the no, feral yeah. the feral yeah. oh, boy that, that kid is great and, and like his like a, a, a kind of like a, the girl who kind of like adopts him the side, side <laughs> pony girl, ponytail girl she's so hot there's hot women in that movie too. The fucking warrior girl, oh, yeah. the she's super eighty in the shoulder pads. That's the warrior she's girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, one of the great things great. about the movie, they kill all those characters. She just <laughs> she just gets shot in the chest with an arrow and slumps over. They, they uh, yeah, oh, well, she dies. falls onto the truck and that truck wipes out and has a huge accident. She dies, Felk. Everybody on that chase dies, with the exception of just Mel. Or and Matt. the leader. I love or Matt. I love when Mel's surprise. driving. Mel's driving and he has time to step out on two legs and shoot a shotgun. Yep. And then get back into the driver's seat. And he does it in real life. And he does it. And then they did it with Charlize too, and it was still a great shot. Yeah, it was still a good shot. Um, I, I, I really like how that ending chase in Road Warrior is all for nothing. It's sand. It was a huge diversion so they could save everyone else. And everybody dies. It was a, and you and Max doesn't yeah. realize it. Max, Max doesn't know that that's just sand. He, right. he, he gets it's, duped. They they planned this suicide mission. And they just did not tell Max. They because yep. they knew if Max thought it was real, he would give it his all, and they would go forever. The but hero of the movie gets fucked over. He does, but they lie to him, and it's it was everyone else that was in that mission, on that chase that was on the good side. They were well aware they were not coming back from that. That that was essentially go as far and as long as you can until they kill you. That was the whole point of that mission. Yeah. Uh, there's just, it's also, you can't like remotely do that now. Um, hold on. Uh, Road Warrior was 81. Okay. So there's elements that you cannot. Yeah, but I don't think now. we could have possibly have seen it until what it was like 82, 83. Or oh, something I didn't like see that. it until I was like a teenager in the nineties. Oh, um, I, I saw in the, uh, late eighties, but I mean like, it was yeah. one of those films that like, like Bird, Water, and Wire that was always on <laughs> in the afternoon on like Sundays that I always just saw the final chase and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? And I kept seeing the final chase over and over again. It's like, I got to see this whole thing. Oh, thing I saw it unedited. And that's the way to see it. Because, I mean, yeah. just the opening, it establishes the character in the world very perfectly where he just, from a distance, sees a chick uh, uh, getting raped and, and her boyfriend just get, gets murdered. And he just kind of like, well, I can't really do anything about this. That's the hero he is. And then he, you know, walks up and the guy's like, you know, Help me, thank you, please. And he's just like, I'm just here for the fucking gasoline, man. I'm not. Road I'm Warrior, not. 
Go ahead. That's that's his that's his theme throughout the entire thing. Like I'm I'm look I I am just here to survive, and if helping you helps me survive, I'm right. On the except the side. except the road warrior is the was is what is supposed to be the first time he breaks that rule by staying with this team and going to like then help them on this chase to save what it was it the fuel or no he's what? only helping them to get gasoline yeah to get gas but well but yeah but he's helping them yeah he's on the side he's on the, he's a survivor who is just he, he never works with the bad guys he's just always on the sides of side of good but he's it's not his mission he's just helping them for his own survival That's i feel key. he's not he's not he's not superman you know no, he's not. He's definitely not. I feel that he's the ma- the max that he plays in Road Warrior is far in like so far away from the Mad Max he plays in Mad Max. He no, yeah, the Road no, Warrior Max is the max that we get in like Beyond Thunderdome. It's the max we get in Fury Road, but it's so not the same max that he does in Mad Max. And it's one of those things that's really great about the Road Warrior too is it's the first time that 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 they they just George Miller just goes fuck it. I'm just going to change the movie because I want to make a, a different film and a better film. And he does that. He makes this really different movie from like, I mean, the way Mad Max ends, it doesn't lead you to think like, oh, yeah, he's just going to be walking a fucking road yeah. in the middle of the desert of, uh, you know, the wasteland. It starts like, about on, on a journey and the, you, you don't see the middle part. You don't see the part where it completely falls. Uh, everything just kind of falls apart and he just becomes almost an animal. Yeah, exactly. Because he like there's so, there's a semblance of a police officer still yeah. when you leave him in Mad Max. That's why Road Warrior works as a standalone film. It's it does. Not, it's not. It's not really a sequel. It's just. It's just an expansion of that idea. Whereas Beyond Thunderdome is a sequel to the Road Warrior, and it's fucking terrible. It is and it isn't. It, and it, and one of the things about I think it's watchable. I love it's watchable, Beyond Thunderdome. Question, but yeah, I love Beyond the Thunderdome. And but one of the things that's interesting about Beyond, Beyond the Thunderdome, we may have talked about this in the Waka. past. I'm not sure. Is it's two Waka. films. Waka. It's it's George Miller wanted Waka. to make an uh an uh a, a Mad Max three and a Mad Max four and the studio said no fucking way and he said but I have a film about Thunderdome and I have a film about these kids yeah, the and they kid, said the, the, the combine those movies and Waka. you have a movie then and so he did so he combined these two movies and they don't work together you they, say they're, again work. they're so Waka. yeah and they Hooter Hooter and they always and they. And I can't, you threw me off. And as soon as you say Hooter, I just want to say Hooter a bunch more now. Hooter, 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 Hooter. But Hooter. Um, it, I think Thunderdome suffers the most from that, but it's still fun. It's still a 80s. major. Like, he gets a haircut for like five minutes of that movie, I feel like. He also has really ugly, a, weird, gray what a temples. Haircut. What a haircut. <laughs> But what's up with he his great temples? He has the fake great temples. He has, him in, Road, he has there. him in Road Warrior too, though. He has him in Road Warrior. They're not, they're not that as, prominent. They're, they're not as pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. With the gray, um, the gray temples. Yeah, and then they're really I love faded. The gray temples. They're really faded in Fury Road. They're yeah, they're, they're, they're not there. <laughs> yeah. They're not there. Yeah, I don't know what Fury Road is. It's like a Mad Max. It's film definitely not a Mel Gibson Max. movie. Well, you know the theory yeah. that George Michael kind of posited to everyone was is that. George I hope Michael. you mean George Miller. George, Freedom, George Miller. George Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. George, uh, yeah. George, uh, George Miller posited the theory that George Michaels posited that if you, you show him your dick, he'll show you his dick, and then when you show him <laughs> his, when he shows you your dick, it turns out it's a, it was a police officer, and he gets arrested. <laughs> well, so yeah, so but George Miller said, I think it is, is, was uh, in an interview said something along the lines of that it's possible to believe that uh, each each telling your scene. 
of these Mad Max films from Mad Max to Mad Max 2, Road Warrior to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome to uh, Mad Max Fury Road. They're all stories being told around a campfire from somebody who uh, uh, survived the incident or survived the situation. Yeah. And you're hearing them tell you that story. And yeah. that's the story you're watching is them telling that story. And you're just someone sitting around the campfire listening to it as well. Yeah, so the idea, I guess, for Mad Max 2, it's the feral kid is the Mad Max 2. And Mad Max 3, it's all the kids. And uh, Mad Max 4, it's like, you know, I guess would be Furiosa. Yeah. Or one of the brides. And Mad Max, it, it, that's the only one that's really not told from anyone's perspective. No, that's, that's the just only his one. That, story. Yeah, I feel like Mad Max is the only one that's like this is the accurate story, not embellished, and that's why all the other ones are so cartoony in different ways because they're embellished by different storytellers. Even yeah. though they're all being told by George Miller. No, they, it's, it, the idea is that that Mad Max is like his origin, and then it just shifts and like these he's are a folk hero, a legend. Yeah, folk hero. He's an Australian folk hero. He's like Wild Bill or uh, not Wild Bill, uh, Pecos Bill or. Well, not uh, necessarily because it's not necessarily Australia. It's only on, it's only Australia and Mad Max, and then you don't know we, the, the other ones. It could take place anywhere. I like, think so I just look cool. at him as Australia. George, George Miller's Australia? actually said that uh, Fury Road takes place in like the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's just dried up now. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh wow. Because it's because they shifted and it, it's water. It's a water war and like the idea that water dried up. Well, awesome. That's a great. I would love to see that expanded upon, and I wish they do another film because I really like Fury Road, and I'd love to see him do something else. Yeah. Well, it may not. It may not. You know, it might have been all the stress and all the uh, issues making the film is what made uh, Fury Road so great. Because sometimes it's all that stuff that translates its way through the film to the audience, and we all feel it—the energy. But I'm done with this topic. How about you guys? Right? Yep. Right. Okay. So, uh, some honorable mentions. I just want to go over just real quick uh, things that we didn't talk about. Um, we obviously, we talked about get the gringo. We talked about, you know, we were soldiers and Maverick and Bloodfather and the Patriot, but a couple of things we didn't talk about that I thought were interesting and felt, especially for you was, uh, edge of darkness. You didn't have edge of darkness on your list. And I totally thought you were going to have that on your list. I don't think it's one of his five best. I think it's an excellent movie. It's not movie. that great. It's fine. It's, a, it's okay. It's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. Um, I'd like to revisit it now as a parent, but, uh, um, Top five uh, film though, come on. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I don't. I mean, I, I think it's a good movie. Um, I think it's probably Martin Campbell's last good movie. Yeah, Green Lantern. Yeah, that movie's horrible. And then the other one I really liked is Signs. I really liked Signs. Um, I, it I was almost awesome. hate. I hate Signs. Oh really? Oh really? You hate Signs? I, I think it's a horrible film. Let's fucking kill him with water. Yeah, yeah okay, I guess the, the, the ending's not the, so great. The ending is very weak, but everything up to the ending is actually really, really cool. Uh, and Mel's great in it. Again, he's always best when he's protecting his kids. Which so, if we're one of my more, uh, my honorable mention would have been Ransom. I love Ransom. Ransom, me too. So yeah, another honorable mention. Yeah, I guess it would be Ransom for me as well. I really like Ransom. I thought Ransom was like one of those films in theaters. I was just like, damn, look at him cry. He's it's got a, that serious crying eyes. It's a weird movie because everyone's telling him he's wrong throughout the movie, but the movie tells us he's right because it actually has like the scenes of Gary Sinise like actually saying like, as soon as we get the money, we kill the kid because there's no loose ends. So, but everyone's like, just give him the money. Just give him the money. It's the easiest way to do it. And Mel's, he has no way of knowing he's right. It's a little, I guess it's a kind of a, a convenience of the plot, but he's just like, no, we have to get the kid. I have to get him back through. I, I love Ransom. Yeah. It's a great film. It is. And 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 they do function as parents at the end of that film as if they assume their kid is just totally dead. So they're just going they're going he's going crazy at that point. Yeah. 
but the uh, the, suspe- the 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 third act, you know, the whole suspense, where you know, it's it's Gary Sinise trying to claim the money, and and he figures it out because the kid reacts um, and pisses his pants. That whole scene is so like classic, like thriller tension. It is. It's great. And Mel it handles it perfectly. Great. All right, and then just the last thing, directorial efforts. Um, we've already talked about Braveheart. We talked about a man with uh, without a face. Um, we didn't really talk about Passion of the Christ much, and I, I, I don't think it, I think the movie gets a bad rap. Honestly, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. I'm not religious. It's, it's a well-made movie, but it's it's you have to yeah. kind of believe in the shit to to really appreciate it. But um, Jim Caviezel, played by Jesus. I think I think Mel Gibson really killed it with Braveheart, but I think when he stepped back only behind the camera and made Apocalypto, he made something really just fantastic with gold there. I mean, that thing yeah, is just Apocalypto like, is a, a masterpiece. It really is. It's, it's all in what Mayan, whatever ancient Mayans called, like mm-hmm. it's called like question or some shit like that. But like it's, it's ancient Mayan and they speak yeah. in this, the whole film and it's incredible. The Passion of the Rice is ancient Aramaic. So like, all these great actors, um, who are very not well known because they had to make sure they weren't well known so they could actually you know have audience believe in it because this movie was about you believing these Mayans were real and if they and if you didn't believe it it wouldn't work and the movie works really well I re- highly recommend it and then Hacksaw Ridge is so good it's so good I was fucking sweating during the second action sequence this the, I guess it's the, it's the same battle but it's the second half of the battle of the first battle. I'm sweating. I was sweating. I remember, I remember like wiping my brow off and just being like, "Holy fucking shit!" And I remember about maybe somewhere near the end of the second battle. <laughs> What's going on here? Is, is Noli, were, were you gone? Was Noli gone the whole time? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. What? I didn't realize you were gone. <laughs> what? I didn't realize you were gone. I just found out right now. He's talking about um, Ridge. I didn't get to talk about Apocalypse. Um. I left because I thought you were talking about Apocalypto, and I was like, okay, let's just get this over with so we can move on. Oh, I can't even see you. I'm not even looking at our Skype right now. Um, okay, so anyway, so yeah, so uh, – and then Hacksaw Ridge, uh, I, I was like crying by the uh, by, by the end of the first battles, second half of the first battle. I was like crying. Like it was like so emotional, so intense. And then like there's certain scenes within in the movie like later, it, you're just like it's, – it's fucking so hardcore. It's really intense. And the movie is really good. And – and the fact that the movie is driven by the idea of this guy who will not kill, who will not fire a bullet, and he'll only save and help lives regardless is just so powerful. And it's a great movie. Hacksaw Ridge is fantastic. I highly recommend it. But Apocalypto is really good. And I feel like probably more people saw Hacksaw Ridge due to like its like religious implications. And nobody probably saw like Apocalypto in the end. And that's really tragic. Wait, what do you think the, the, the highest grossing film in Mexico of all time is? The Displacing Titanic. It's Apocalypto. They fucking love really? that movie. Yeah, they fucking love that movie. It's a great movie. I uh, saw that film in in uh, Van Nuys uh, in the middle of the day, and I when I saw it, this is an R-rated film, and it's all in subtitles, and it's all in ancient Mayan. It's not in Spanish. I saw it surrounded by eight-year-old and six-year-old Hispanic children and with their families, and I remember being like, oh, oh they're going to cry, because I knew this movie. All the thing I knew about this movie, because it was very little that you knew about this movie before seeing it, was it was going to be violent. And it was going to be in ancient Mayan, and it was going to be in subtitles. That's all you really knew. No plot release was like out there. You didn't know it was what to expect. Yeah. And I remember just knowing all, it was going to be violent, ultra violent. And I'm seeing all these kids around me, and I'm like, they're going to cry this whole fucking movie. Movie starts. You get within like 15 minutes into the movie, and you have this attack on the village that ends up like killing children and like moms and parents and dads fucking and like grandmas and whatnot, and people just being murdered in front of like. 
like in just front of like the main character and uh, some of the uh, uh, sub characters. And I remember looking at these kids thinking, no one's crying. They were all just shocked, horrified. I mean, their mouths were open. They had, I don't think they could understand at all what was going on. I mean, not, I mean, just honestly, like, I, I mean, like they're just like watching all these images and these are kids who are like young enough that I imagine that they're, if they're reading these subtitles, then they're probably not catching every subtitle. So they're probably barely following the movie. They're, they're following this movie on a visual sense only. Okay. And I remember just being like, wow. And it was the most silent theatrical experience I probably ever experienced. And I was not expecting that with uh, going into Apocalypto full of children. Well, yeah. So there's people who give it shit for the fact that like it depicts the Mayans doing a lot of sacrifices and stuff like, Oh no, that was the Aztecs. And it's like, well, you know, it was also it was the Mayans. It was the Mayans it was too. And, yeah, and, and, and like it's it's how can it be discriminatory against you know an indigenous people of Mexico the indigenous people of Mexico when like they're also the heroes like that it's still the same it's just th th they were in a very small or or non like not not connected to one of the bigger civilizations like a smaller tribe so it's the same it's it's how many Hollywood movies are made about an entirely like uh, people that did not speak English. It didn't it kept it authentic. It kept the casting authentic. It kept the locations uh, authentic. You f like you so rarely feel like you're in the jungle and in movies set in the jungle. You feel like you're on a set. You feel like you're with you know like matte paintings and fake trees, which can be effective. But this feels like you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, it, it get the location like it, it transports you not just to another place, but to another time. It's so rare, totally. rare that movies can actually do that. And it has suspense, like really intense sequences where you think anything could happen. And you do uh, at times, like you pretty much know who your character is you're following, but you don't know what could happen to him because there are moments nope. where they put him into in a real film. peril. I agree. Um, have you seen Apocalypse Noli? Oh, yeah, totally. I think it's a great film. Yeah, it's really good. It really is. But neither one of you have seen Hacksaw Ridge, right? I have not. I have. You have seen Hacksaw Ridge? I have. What did you think of it? I liked it. Well, it's really good. I, I mean, did you fucking feel like the ten like the intensity of those battle sequences, especially that first yeah. one that takes like over like a two part process? Oh yeah, it's a really good film. If you haven't seen it, I would see Hacksaw Ridge. Dude, that first time the guns start firing and that one guy just gets taken out while holding the other guy. Holy shit! Do you know what I'm talking about? The guy pops up, and goes ah, and then goes do 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 do, and he's just dead. And then the other guy's like do 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 do, and he goes, and then he falls over dead. Yeah, and then the other dead, and it just goes do 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 do, and they're just dead. Oh my fucking god! Holy yeah. shit! Yes, Mel is a fantastic actor, a wonderful director, and in, and in 1985 he was named People Magazine's sexiest man alive. No way! Yeah. No way! No way! Who was after him? Uh, in, no. in 1986, it was Mark Harmon. What? Then in 1987, Harry Hamlin. And then 1988, John F. Kennedy Jr. That's terrible. That's terrible. Who's, Are you who's, serious? Who's dead now? I've never heard how this was, before. How was, how was Mark Harmon in 86? What the fuck was he doing? TV. Nothing. And why was John F. Kennedy Jr. in there? He's really not that handsome, was he? He was handsome. He was doing stuff. He was making things happen. Well, you know what, guys? Let's stop talking about bodies right now and wait for some music to play and then start talking about bodies. All systems ready. Three, two, one. I found out walking with this girl. Oh. Talking bodies. Yeah. 
talking bodies. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't walk around. I, I don't walk. To be there. I don't work around in tight clothes. I stay at home for most of the time. Public and it's a fucking embarrassment to me. You look like a fucking bitch on heat. And if you get raped by a pack of niggers, it'll be your fault. All right? Because you provoked it. You are provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs. You feel you have to show off in tight outfits and tight pants so that you see your pussy from behind. On heat. And if you get raped by a pack of niggers, it'll be your fault. All right? Because you provoked it, you are provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs. You feel you have to show off in tight outfits and tight pants and stuff. You see your pussy from behind. And just to clarify, 1985 was the first year that, that they people did this. So they invented Sexiest Man Alive and gave it to Mel Gibson. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Love it. Wow, that's great. Well, we're in Talking Bodies, so let's just get into more Talking Bodies. This is perfect Talking Bodies. So, as always, Talking Bodies has us discussing the wonderful world of mega hotties and super babes. And Cool Boy Nation, to enhance your body experience, strap on that hard drive and whip out that keyboard, and let's go Googling for some sweet buys and dongs. So, guys, any mega hotties or any super babes? No? All right, well, let's move into the top three for this week. That's going to be Sexy Sheila's. And for people who don't know what that means, that's Australian. Essentially, just hot Aussie bods. Um, uh, so, examples of some hot Australians. Are Margot Robbie, Miranda Kerr, Yvonne Strahovski, Ellie Gonzalez. Oh, I don't know who she is, but she is gorgeous. Kate Blanchett, Teresa Palmer, Elle McPherson, and Rachel Taylor. And of course, there's others. There's like Nicole Kidman and whatnot. So, guys, do you guys no. got any top threes? I no, think Margot I Robbie's number one, to be honest. I don't think so. You don't like Margot Robbie? I do. Okay, well, who's I your think, number one? I, I, I think Miranda Kerr is better than her. He is really, Miranda you Kerr really is don't beautiful. like Nicole Kidman. That's crazy. I hate Nicole Kidman. Well, I think that this list really must have to have, I feel like Margot Robbie, at least. I can see uh, Miranda Kerr be on this list easily as well. I don't see Nicole Kidman on this list. Not when you have people Margot like Robbie Yvonne Strahovski or Teresa Palmer. I think no, they're gorgeous. Obviously, none Margot of you guys Robbie's... are going to pick my, my number one, so... Elle McPherson Robbie, is gorgeous as well. The bod, the body. Yeah, the Margot bod. Is a, I think she was called. Was she face. called the bod or the body? She was the bod. She was the bod. The body. The body. Yeah. Margot Robbie is a great face. Is her body all that great? I don't know. Margot Robbie has an incredible body. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, she's in the top three. I don't think Kate Blanchett should be. No, she's, she's beautiful, but yeah, she's I don't know. She's, but just, she's but, classic. But she's Australian. So I thought that yeah. she was worth at least mentioning, but yeah, she doesn't yeah. have to be in our top three. I think Miranda <laughs> Kerr is probably the hottest body out of all three of them. I think mm -hmm. that does make sense. Margot Robbie is gorgeous to me, though. Uh, so it's hard to split the two between which one's number one, but I'm fine with putting Miranda Kerr easily at number one. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a very PG list. So oh, I'm we, going to dirty uh, it up porn. He's and, porn. and add in my unquestionable number one. I think the greatest porn star of all time Angela White. Yep, I'm oh fine. I, I agree. You're bringing her back in here. I Get agree. Literally, she's, she's number perfect. one. She's number Ballard. one. Ballard. Ballard. Google Ellie Gonzalez. I, I will. Who is Ellie Gonzalez? You might like. Who knows? Oh, she is gorgeous. She's wow. hot. Who is she? She's an Instagram model. She just, oh, oh, come on. That's not. That's not even a celebrity. Ellie Gonzalez. I, I think she's hot, she's, but she's just she, a hot Instagram she's, girl. She's a guest model. Gosh, no, she's, she's actually she, a guest she's, model. She's gorgeous. Hmm. Uh, she's number one. And yeah, then Angela White is number two. <laughs> I told you she would be. 
Yeah, Angela. yeah. Ellie, Ellie's number one. Angela White's number two, and then ah, uh, fucking sorry, Margot, but maybe Miranda Kerr's number three. Uh, oh. no, I just see you a fucking wrench. Miranda Kerr fucked the Orlando Bloom. Ellie's the hottest. Ellie's the hottest. I just took Ballard out. I just took Ballard out. I didn't think I'd take Ballard out, but I took you out. No, Wait, Ellie, Ellie. Ellie's the hottest. No, I, I disagree. I, we gotta wrap this. We gotta wrap this episode up, guys. I gotta. I gotta. I, Ellie, Ellie's the hottest. We gotta wrap. The this winner is up. Angela White. Go ahead. I need to go jack off to Ellie Gonzalez. <laughs> She's not even nude. I don't care. <laughs> Fucking man, but, uh, Angela White She's is great, gorgeous. Right? I love. I, I, she's beautiful, big old busty woman. She's a woman. And she's amazing oh, looking, I and I think she's she's the only one that gets nude. So you know what? How about this? Wait. How about this, Felk? Yeah, Ellie Gonzalez because is nude. Angela is White she... is the Ellie. Go she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Google nude. She's oh, she's done one nude shoot. Give me a no break. Way. Give me a break. Give me a break. Right Give me a break. It's black and white. Stop this. Wow. Hold on. I got. I got. I got I'll, I'll show you a great example of it. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Megan Gale. I mean, is also beautiful. So I mean, she was. She's, at one point, she's oh, aged out. She's aged out. Elle McPherson never aged out. Okay, just so we're clear here. Dude, she still looks fantastic. She, she has like sixteen-year-old daughters that she looks better than. Okay, here. Okay, okay, okay. So Ellie's beautiful, but there are a couple ones in there that are a little bit off. So you know what I gotta say? This Angela White's number one because she's given us everything. Yes. Number two, I feel like has to be Miranda Kerr because she truly does have an incredible body. She does. And then number three, well. for me, number three can really be a toss up right now between Margot Robbie, Ellie Gonzalez, or even Teresa Palmer. Teresa Palmer is beautiful. Eh. Which, is Teresa Palmer black? No. No. I would say Ellen McPherson over any of those, actually. Who's, who's Teresa Palmer? I could go Elle McPherson. Elle McPherson, I could go easily Elle McPherson back in the day overall. No love for Rachel Taylor. She's 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 a pretty blonde woman, but she's just a pretty blonde woman. Same with Yvonne Savarsky. Also, also Yvonne Savarsky is, is Australian? I had no idea. She she is, yes. She, she's I, she's very pretty. She's, she's very pretty. But you know what? But she's maybe not like as as some of the others. But I can't believe I put Margot Robbie on this list, and I really truly am shocked that she's not gonna make it in the top three. I, I think she um, should. So, I, I don't agree with Angela White. I think that girl's too plump for me. Oh, Angela she's, White, she's Margot Robbie, plump. let's say Ellen McPherson. I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that. Or 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 Angela White, Mar Margot Robbie, Miranda Kerr. I'm okay with as that. As, Mar as long like as Miranda Kerr's on that list, I'll agree with you because she's always my number one. All right. Well, then she you fucked Orlando Bloom. That I'm fine with that you? list. I'm fine with it that list. It does bother me. And she fucked Justin Bieber too. It bothers mm -hmm. me. Yeah. It fucking bothers me. Yeah. Sorry, but the, the the I think she has terrible taste in men. She likes fuck, twinks. She, she's not gonna fuck you. She likes twinks. You gotta lose thirty pounds of muscle and be a lot more uh, feminine, and then she's attracted to you. I could do that. I could do that. Orlando Bloom looks like a girl's face. Didn't Orlando Bloom recently show his dong while well, he was like like rowboating with Katy Perry? Oh yeah, I saw it. It was great. That brings us to. Love that dong. Love that dong. That's right, folks. You heard it. It's love that dong. That means it's time to name three celebs and guess who has the biggest dick and why. And I'm this week's episode is Thunder Down Under, or as you want to call it, Villa Dongs, or Lethal Dongs. And that is going to be Mel Gibson, Russell Crowe, and Hugh Jackman. Folks, who's got the biggest dong? I, I never said love that dong, though. I did it for you guys. I'm burning through this. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. I just that's clicked fine. on the Hugh Jackman link. Yeah, okay, these are fakes. You're, I clicked on all three links. The Russell one was real, <laughs> but it doesn't show his dick. But have you clicked on the Mel Gibson one? <laughs> yeah, I've clicked on him. 
Yeah, yeah, no, you. Wait, who, who sent them? You, these are Nolans? I made them. I made them up. I put them okay. up there last night. What are you laughing at? The Mel Gibson one? Yeah, his face. His head is much bigger than it should be. The Mel Gibson one is incredible. The Russell Crowe one's pretty funny. That one's real, I think. Isn't that just him? That's really him riding naked on a horse. So Mel Gibson has the shirt like half off. It's like hanging over the shoulders. His He's holding his dick. He's wearing a bow tie. He looks great. <laughs> yeah, but the Hugh Jackman one. Everything's wonderful. This is actually really hard. I honestly don't know which of these guys has the biggest dick. They all seem like they have big dicks. <laughs> Hugh Jackman's. He looks pain. He looks like he's feeling pain in that picture. Um. So yeah, I think. I think you can't. I think we can't do you know uh, sugar tits and Mel Gibson story and not have Mel Gibson win this. So I think Mel Gibson has the biggest thong. I'm still gonna go. Hugh always wins in my book. Oh, Hugh. I, I would want to say Russell because he's Russell Crowe, but I mean, I feel I feel like this is a tie. This is a three-way tie. Is this a three-way I tie? A I think Australians all have the same size dick. It is <laughs> That's what They're it is. All eight and a half inches, perfectly at the end. Eight and a half inches, perfect. Oh, yeah, of course, I forgot the that. The only way one of them might win is if one of them's uncircumcised, and then the extra skin gets on that like quarter inch. Okay, so I guess then, gentlemen, who's the uncircumcised one? Probably Russell Hugh. Crow. Hugh, I said Hugh. Do you say Russell? Well, no one's gonna no, say Mel. Hugh huh? Jackman, the person, is probably circumcised. But of course, if you, as Wolverine, he couldn't be circumcised, it would grow back. So Hugh Jackman wins. Well, Wolverine would win. But that's Hugh Jackman. That is Hugh Jackman. So I guess Hugh Jackman wins. But it's a so three-way Hugh Jackman. Time. Oh man. So Margot Robbie doesn't get number one, and Mel Gibson doesn't get biggest song. Uh, this is the worst episode ever. Well, only because Hugh Jackman's uh, force. All, all Australians have the same link dick, and Hugh Jackman's would have the, definitely a foreskin because it would grow back because of his regenerative powers. Hugh, Hugh Jackman really does grow back, though. Yeah. Hugh wins. Hugh wins. <laughs> you know what? Actually, so. Maybe there's a secret winner in there, actually. And that secret winner is Nicole Kidman with her huge clitoris. Okay, I don't know where that came Kidman from. Wins. Did you not know about this rumor that Nicole Kidman has the biggest clitoris out of anyone in Hollywood? That's not all right. Are we starting? Are you starting rumors? No, dude, this is real. This is real. <laughs> Siri Cruz started it. <laughs> That's fucked up. Okay. Phil's actually Googling this fucking bullshit. No, but seriously, Nicole Kimmins rumored to have, like, the biggest clit. Okay, that's great. Let's move on. You were a fool. <laughs> I think you complained just to hear yourself talk. I'll shut you up. Yelling at the wall. Haven't you had enough? <laughs> oh, yeah. You just enjoy insulting me. That's all. Fuck you. The, I so fucking do because you hurt me so bad. I didn't do anything. I did not do anything and I apologize for nothing. I did not do anything and I apologize for nothing. What? What? You apologize for nothing? Stop. Cool Boy Nation, tell us your top five Mel Gibson films. Also, if you wish to question our choices for the top five Mel Gibson films, or have any more insight on our Mel Gibson, then please let us know. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. That's yeah. for you, big guy. 
Um, okay, so uh, we have a comment on uh, the Cool Boys podcast, episode 22, Morning Routines, guys. And this comment's by a woman named Patricia Robinson. And her comment goes as this. Hey, Cool Boys, I really love this video. Sorry for being in your spam folder, but can you please follow me on Instagram? You can click this link to check it out. Uh, <laughs> she gives a link. Uh, you would do me a huge favor. Best regards, Patricia. I think this woman is totally on the up and up. I think this is spam. <laughs> I think we should click on it. Uh, yeah, I didn't click on it. Click on it. See what it comes up. Well, it's, it comes it's up. a fake link, by the way. That's, that's, a, that's a shortened link. It's like this long, like sketchy ass fucking link. Noli, why don't you click on it and tell and describe to Cool Boy Nation what, the, what comes up? I, I don't want to click on click it. Click on it. I'm not doing it. I, I'm on a PC. I can get viruses too easy. Oh, it's loading. Ooh, here we go. What's Patricia Robinson have, Noli? It's directing me to a rethink your lifestyle. So we got spam. There's nothing, there's nothing here. It's mood ups. <laughs> you just virus me? I have no idea. It's Patricia Robinson. This is, I don't know. Patricia Robinson did this. She has 1,500 followers. Hey, she's fo she's following the, one the, person. All of which are bots. <laughs> no, she yeah. really, she folks. She really loves this video. There's no picture. It's just Mood Ups is her name, and I can follow <laughs> Tug, her. She follows our podcast, and she really loves that video of uh, Morning Routines. Yeah. <laughs> you know that video of Morning Routines? Hi, That's cool boys. When I see 50 people watch their episode, I'm thinking it's just a bot. Oh, I'm sure of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Patricia Robinson, I hope that answered your question. And then um, just remember, everybody, you know, our YouTube page is super sick and it's got a lot of cool up-to-date stuff. So just continue checking out our, our YouTube page with lots, all, lots of cool boys reviews and VR updates and all kinds of great, great content there on the cool boys page. Um, and let's get into our would you rather. Cool boy nation. If there is a would you rather you would like us to discuss on a future podcast, please email us at the cool boys podcast at gmail.com and now for this episode's would you rather all right cool boy nation would you rather get to have sex just five more times in your entire life but with the woman or man of your choice or let mel gibson pour sugar on your tits fuck your ass Go suicidal on your balls and jizz down your throat while yelling freedom for a solid week and go back to the way things were. What is this? <laughs> I think it's it's obvious. Wait, how long do I have to endure Mel Gibson doing this to me? A week? For a week. For a week. What's a solid week? Does that mean like I don't go to work? <laughs> you take the week it off. Could be all, it, it could be all day, all night. Is that a week off work though? Uh, oh yeah, it's definitely a week off work. Oh, then you see, I, that's my answer, I guess. Really? Okay. Uh, I don't want to have sex five times for the rest of my life and then call it quits. That would that'd be horrifying. Yeah. But look at it. You could you get to choose each time. It could be a different woman. It's a whole new would you rather like who? Oh, I thought you just got to pick one woman. Oh my god. You, no. Okay, no, no, I know you. I know you. Okay, you got Marissa Miller. Oh yeah, for sure. Angela and White. Would Marissa be Miller. This. And you know I'm gonna prepare for that. I'm gonna spend weeks preparing for that so I can go. Like, Wait, what all version? Day long. Do you get to pick the version of the person, or is it just like? Yeah, it's hypothetical. Yeah, sure, you do. I can't believe you were willing to th forego just five times. You're like, oh no, I oh, sex five times the rest of my life. This is Mel Gibson going suicidal on you for a week. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't, but I don't, I don't have that. to go to work. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to go to work. Well, you have to take <laughs> off though. I mean, you have to but, use your vacation but, days. 
But look, he's going suicidal on your nutsack. There's no guarantee you're even going to have <laughs> Wait, what does that this. mean? What does suicidal <laughs> on your nutsack even mean? It means what Mel Gibson does. He goes suicidal. What, is he like tearing him with his teeth? I just imagine he's a crazy guy. He's going to go pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking you and jizzing down your throat yelling freedom. I don't want that. I, I would pick the five chicks. See, here's my thing. And you, yeah, I, I know you Mel guys, Gibson, you would pick Marissa Miller and have like fucking missionary vaginal sex with her. I'd pick five fucking pro porn stars. Well, here's the thing. Uh, so Mel Gibson, good. I imagine after he fucks me in the ass, he goes suicide on my balls, just downs my throat, and he pours a whole bunch of sugar all over my tits, yelling freedom <laughs> for a solid week, and I get a week off of work. Come on, that's the real bonus here. Um, he's gonna introduce, uh, I'm sure he's going to introduce me some sweet, sweet, sexy Sheila's. And, uh, you know, I'll probably then have some, you know, more fun, you know, and I'll be able to have more fun the rest of my life rather than just five times. Because let's face it, after those sexy Sheilas we just went over, there's some pretty hot Aussies. You have a good point there. And I'm thinking for a week, that's pretty good company. Yeah. And, you know, Mel Gibson, you know, we're, we're talking about movies. We're talking about his top five. I'm threatening. I'll put you in a fucking rose garden, you cunt. You understand that? Because I'm capable of it. You understand that? Get a fucking restraining order. For what? What are you going to get a restraining order for? For me being drunk and disorderly? For hitting you? For what? Well, Cool Boy Nation, that brings us to an end of tonight's episode. New episodes of the Cool Boys podcast come out every Monday. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Cool Boys Podcast and Facebook at The Cool Boys Podcast. And you can also email us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube by searching for The Cool Boys Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes as The Cool Boys Podcast. And you can donate to us on Patreon and receive additional episodes of Cool Boys After Dark and a Cool Boys shout-out on our normal episodes that air every Monday. You can find The Cool Boys Patreon at patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Stay cool, Cool Boy Nation. Until next time, it's Bizees from Felk. That's Bizees from Nolan. And that's Bizees from Ballard. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Without This episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... Love that Mel Dung. Love that Lethal Dung. Love that Australian Dung. Thunder from Down Under Dung. <laughs> you don't care. Get some Cool, cool Boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> So serious. <laughs> <laughs>